Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is a uh, really special episode, just a wonderful conversation that I, I was so, so glad that we recorded and uh, very unexpected and, and wonderful and moving and interesting, and, and I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, Science Mike is a uh, friend of Rob Bell, so people that like Rob Bell will probably like what we got going on here, but I also think everybody will like this guy's story, just something, just a perspective that I haven't ever heard in a very uh, personal and interesting tale that uh, I'm not going to waste your time with this intro explaining anymore. I will say at the first beginning, at the beginning of the podcast, we talk a lot about just kind of gray matter, the breakdown of the human brain. And then you'll see about 10, 15 minutes in, it shifts into a completely different type of conversation. So if at the beginning you're kind of thinking, what's going on? I, you know, I don't want to listen to uh, discussions on how the brain works. Uh, stick with it. It becomes a, a classic uh, You Made It Weird episode, if I do say so myself. Science Mike was just, just wonderful and so open. So get into it. Enjoy. Come to a, a Pete Holmes uh, show taping, too, if you're going to be in the L.A. area. We have a couple, uh, like a month left of taping, so come. PeteHolmes.com slash tickets for free tickets. Please come, if you can. Fans of the podcast, weirdos are the best audience members, so it means a lot if you can make it. And we have a new uh, sponsor for this episode. It is the novel Dark Eden. It is published in the UK to a tremendous, to tremendous acclaim, and it's the winner of the Arthur C. Clarke Award. Chris Beckett has written a wonderful novel called Dark Eden. It's an ambitious and touching exploration of myth and tradition and an incredible illustration of the literary potential of science fiction. So if you're looking for a new book, check it out. It is set against the backdrop of a sinisterly beautiful alien world. It's an extraordinary novel and an engrossing anthropological and sociological thought experiment. That sounds interesting, right? Get into it. It's a brilliant feat of science fiction world building. Check it out. Chris Beckett's Dark Eden is our sponsor. If you're looking for a new book, if you like science fiction, I recommend this book. Get it. Now please enjoy Science Mike. PeteHolmes.com for anything uh, Pete Holmes show related. And in the meantime, please enjoy this always free and always fun podcast. Yeah. See, the interesting thing to me is when, when there's another person in the room, which is totally your call. Yeah. Are you trying to figure out which one's right and which one's left? Yes. It's impossible. What's your trick, Katie? Right is right. Right, right is usually red. Red is right. Yeah. Red is right. Red is right. That's one of my earliest memories was being in, uh, in preschool. <clears throat> this picture of lungs. You know what I mean? And I was trying to show kids what it was like. This is uh, this is your esophagus, and that's where food goes down. Mm-hmm. And this is where air goes into your lungs. And and there was something like uh, you didn't. The lesson was like you want food to go into your stomach, not into your lungs. And that's what choking is. And then uh, the drawing was red, and they were like, and I was like, it shouldn't go in there. And they were like, Peter, how do you know that? And I was like, because it's red. <laughs> and it was like this huge. It was like my first yeah. deduction as right. a child, and it's a p- perfect uh, way to start our episode. Because you're science Mike. That's right. That's, that's what I hear. That's the extent of my scientific knowledge is I know you're not supposed to put food down into your lungs. Aspirations are not a good thing. Right. Is that what that's called? Yeah, when you aspirate. But I have a lot of aspirations. You do, yeah. I don't care for that. Here, point this at your gullet. All right, sweet. There you go. I should know that. No, you, you don't have to know So that I'm not like an L.A. person? What do you mean? Well, well, I, thought you were, I thought you were asking me. No, I, like I... Uh, I don't expect like, hey, we're six blocks away. We have a half hour, and it's going to be really tight. 
Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Where are you from? Uh, Tallahassee, Florida, the big city. Oh. <laughs> yeah, huge town. We have like literally like buildings taller than trees. Oh, wow. And yeah, they've, like they've several. They've exceeded the height of the trees. Several. You fly over Tallahassee and you just see the tops of oak trees and pine trees. <laughs> and like the capital. That, that's not the kind of tree. I was picturing palm trees. It's not that kind of Florida. No, ta- the Tallahassee is... Is it um, northern? Way northern. Oh, you're like in the you're so north, you're south. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. the accent too. Absolutely yeah. right. I hear that's a pardon me. I hear that's not that great of a place. You hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> what a weird place to start. I'm so sorry. No, that, all the time. The I actually Florida love gets it a bad more than anywhere. Oh, you do? I yeah, I travel all the time and the more places I go, the more I like going back to Tallahassee if you can believe it. No, that. why? Yeah. Tell me why. Well, I'm uh, I'm very interested. I have You love Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> we do have one. Of yeah. course you do. Um it's actually when you have your life is centered around family. Okay, and, they have that in Utah. And parenting. And they they have do. Skiing. They do. <laughs> um, but it's, it's it's about people. It's about people, it's about like just the kind of community you're in. It's about um So Tallahassee's kind of wild because you're 45 minutes from the beach yeah um but you're in the red clay hills of georgia right mm-hmm. so um people are into like ecological sorts of things hiking um ecotourism those sorts of things. it's like a great area yeah i'm um, very outdoorsy and for me um my family is from that area so 45 minutes from my house is our family farm Mm. So I can just like if I you have a family away, farm. We have a family farm. Okay, so, now you're you're winning me over. I, yeah. I so that. I like to like you know go out somewhere that you can walk for miles and stay on your land. Yeah. And there's just a thing that that's not possible in like L.A. or New York. Absolutely right? not. That's not a, so, possible in a lot of right. Like, right. So of it's a multi generational sort of grounding thing. So I love to travel. I love to meet people, and uh, I go around. And I do talks and stuff. But at the end, like. I just love to get back home and watch Frozen with my kids. You, know? <laughs> you have kids too? Oh, yeah. Six and nine. Oh, I yeah. thought you were saying six kids. No, no. Six and nine Two girls, kids. six and nine. Ooh, that'd be a good and place for us to start because brain stuff. Yeah, I bet you'd have something for this. I'm about to tell you something. Okay. And you're going to love it. Okay. That's my prediction. Is that uh, people that listen to this podcast are about to roll their eyes, but I had a small car accident. But what, what it drew attention to was how my brain was working. Yeah. And that mistake that my brain just made when I said, do you have kids? Yeah. And you said, yes, six to nine. <laughs> right? Which, you know what I mean? Like, if you look, if a computer read that, yeah. it would go like, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And, and sure. the brain, uh, I'm trying to uh, speak science talk with you. I want to I want to have a science talk. I'm in the mood to talk and pick your brain about science. This is one of the things that interests me is your brain has to negotiate Little choices like that all the time. Yeah. The one that happened to me after my uh, concussion, it was like a very, very minor concussion. I don't know why I always feel like the fan base is going to make fun of me because a couple of people have. It was so minor. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, so minor. But anyway. It's I, still a concussion. The, well, that's what I say. Yeah. And I, a brain injury is a brain injury. A brain injury is a brain injury. And somebody whose job, everybody's job is using their brain to a certain extent. But somebody whose job is, uh, to a certain extent, to obsess and to really delve into the creative parts of my mind and monitor my thoughts and write them down and share them with people, it's easy for me to notice when something isn't running. And that doesn't mean I'm more intelligent. That just means I'm looking around more, yeah. trying to see how I'm feeling yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to t- If I were a ball player, I would take my mind off that and, and play some fucking baseball. But instead, I'm just sitting around navel gazing all the time, so I would know that. So anyway, I remember seeing the sign, and now I'm going to throw it to you, is the idea that I saw the sign that said, uh, open house, um, units available, 
12 to 4, mm-hmm. right? And of yeah. course, when I say that to you, you know, because neither of us have recently had a concussion, that that means 12 noon to 4 p.m. But it just said 12 to 4. Right. <laughs> and I've said this on the show before, but I saw it and I went, they have, shouldn't that be between 4 and 12 units? They're telling me how many units they, like I was just confused. Right. But really, right. my brain just read it literally. Do you have any kids? Yes. Six and nine yes. with different wives. That's yes. one way to interpret that. Yes. Isn't that wild? It is wild. And that's your temporal lobe. That, yeah. Yeah. So let's get temporal. The funny thing about our brains Sounds is deep fried sushi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also have to warn you this is a serious problem. What is? Uh, I laugh easily and you're a comedian. Oh, so I there's be... a very real anxiety <laughs> no, ahead. Of, this will be 90 minutes of me belly laughing. What if it's just not <laughs> funny at all? Like you're like, I got to warn you, I laugh. I'm an easy laugh. And then it's just the most stoic crickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. And I'm trying really hard. Don't worry about it. I, I've, I've said before, uh, this show stopped trying to be funny a long time ago. We're, we're just, see, I met you at Rob's house. Yeah. Yeah. And um there's Rob Bell who's on the show and we uh and we just started hitting it off and I was like this is a this is a conversation I want to have. And I was like I like having like interesting conversations on on Mike so we can have them forever and share yes. them with other people. Yes. And that's and that now you're brought up to speed. That that's the first and only time I've met you. Yeah. And now here we are. But I want to talk about brain stuff. I so, want to talk about whatever you want to talk. They about. can't see it that I have a brain. You brought a brain. But I brought a brain. So you have two and you have So two there's a funny thing about a brain. You can think of it as sort of like urban development. Okay. Like as um, cities grow, then grow up, and then grow out, or both. Uh huh. Right. And so like that's Tallahassee. Sort of, yeah, Tallahassee grew out a little. Yeah. It's a so uh, Tallahassee is like um, someone like a really primitive vertebrate, like a lizard. You know okay. I mean? Like it's a small. You right? live in a lizard. Or like a human brain. Yep. You're talking about like um, to to give some sense of scale from a lizard to a human would be like Tallahassee to. I don't know. What's that planet city in Star Wars? Oh, that's funny because I was going to fictional cities yeah, too. Yeah, because a real, real city one. would not be remotely big enough. It so. needs to be fake, almost like Gotham. Yeah. Like growing out so and So the up way our brains work, and this brain cuts you to just, pieces. You just broke the brain. Yeah. Um, way at the end of your spinal column is like a primitive brain. It's a reptile brain. And uh, that's um, – people call it the crocodilian brain. And yes. then from there, we sort of grow out into a limbic system. Yes. Right? And your limbic system is like a rat brain. And it's where like fear and anger and aggression come from. That's the first thing our, my spine goes into is all that bad yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is why <laughs> we humans, when stuff goes bad, fear and anger are winning emotions. Like if you're happy yep. and someone swings an axe at you. Anger and trumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to punch this guy yeah. or run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's necessary for survival. I just survival. get afraid and let the axe hit me. And what's also Please, funny. get in here. Hello, David. <laughs> have a seat. We were, we were discussing if you want to be on mic or not. You can have this I'd mic. Love to be, I, wherever you want, but I do want to present the skinny cow. That's true. That's you brought me one. skinny cow Does ice cream sandwiches? <laughs> That is so sweet. This will blow your mind also if you hadn't had these. Let's get high. <laughs> We're going to eat Airheads? Extreme, extreme sweet don't, don't sour candy? Them by being just this is some. This is some real garbage. You guys are, you guys are fathers. You're not supposed <laughs> to have this stuff. But we're away from the children. <laughs> and you're doing the most childish stuff as well. Well, here, put that there because I'm not going to eat on mic because people always complain about that. But you, please. So, we have this reptile brain. Yeah, we're talking, brain. we're talking about so, how the... So back to more important and in the And in the sort of limbic system in this rat brain is your thalamus. Yep. Your thalamus is responsible for your sense of self. So everything you learn about the world... Is that is where the pineal gland is? It, uh, well, the pituitary is right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, But I want the pineal gland. 
There's a lot of stuff in the brain. Okay, but that's not where that is. I thought that's where we got all that sense of self is different from the, the thalamus itself. Yes, um, is 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 large. It's sort of a walnut in the middle of the brain, yep. like about walnut size. This is half of the thalamus, right? Okay. So this sort of is responsible for your sense of self, and you notice your spinal column connects here. So everything you think about in the world has to pass through your identity. Oh, weird. Yeah, That's... like everything literally gets neurologically filtered through who you understand Think yourself I am. to be my ego yes that's sort of the seat of it now so the funny thing about the brain is you can't really say this part of the brain does this you can say this part of the brain coordinates this activity but the whole brain is sort of involved in everything we do right okay. that's what makes us consciousness is the resonance that happens neurologically between the different parts of the brain as they operate okay right? so anyway so and we sort of as evolution happens we went from this like reptilian thing to this mammalian thing all the way out here until you get like the anterior cingulate cortex, uh-huh. which is a little forward in the brain. That's where love and compassion and empathy come from. So you're saying a rat can't feel love and empathy and compassion? Well, this is still a little um, – we're getting a little more uh, complex. We're getting dogs, cats, um, but rats don't have anywhere near the development for warm emotions that a little bit more neurologically sophisticated animals do. And then we get into like a monkey brain up here. Yep. And then up here in the, the, the very front of your brain, you get the prefrontal cortex. Just for vortex. the people listening, this is when we're moving out. As we move out, as the skyscraper gets taller and the city spreads out. We get it. We That's get when more, we get more advanced things. And so it's funny, you talk about language. Yeah. Language happens way out in the brain. It's very high in the stack. It's the top floors uh, of our brain's development. First thing to go? You could see it that way. It's very distant from um, where your senses come in, right? Mm-hmm. So... And since it's external on the brain, if you if you have a concussion, right, you have a pretty good chance of affecting your language centers or other things. So interesting, a con- concussion tends to affect higher function mm-hmm. because the stuff we most associate with humanity all happens in the neocortex, which is the outermost part of the brain. And that's the stuff that goes first. That's the stuff that goes first. If yeah. you get ahead in Well, because – and also evolution did a pretty good job designing us there because what happens – like if you can't talk, that's bad. But if you can't breathe, that's a more pressing issue. And if you can't breathe and keep the species going? Or do you think that's, that's well, not But you can't breathe if you're not alive. Yeah. So sure. you sort of – evolution has prepared us above all else to keep going. Yeah. Right? So if we're going to sacrifice ourselves and make a decision to protect another member of the species that might protect our lineage, yeah. um, you're still going to need higher order brain functions to make that decision, which means you have to be functioning well. So, so like the core hardware, like – you know, heartbeat, involuntary muscle control. They're very deep, primitive in the brain. And all these sort of newer, exotic brain features live further out. And what's Mm. interesting is this part of the brain, the human part, the neocortex, is slow and expensive. Okay. It takes a lot of energy to do prefrontal cortex thinking, sort of uh, contemplating new ideas, having analytical thought, all those sorts of things. Uh, whereas your limbic system is fast and ruthless and efficient. It takes very, very little energy to make the decision to punch the guy when you're drunk. Right. It takes much more energy to complicate the to what think about we, the ethics of doing so. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I just complimented my own question that I'm about to ask. <laughs> is, awesome. is that great? Isn't that what uh, – is that what alcohol is shutting down is the part of me that makes me second guess, like uh, yeah, punching so, someone in the face? So, or... so alcohol affects the whole brain. All of it. Clearly, Yeah. But again, um, our bodies sort of make these decisions about where what lights have to be kept on the longest. So your body's going to keep a lot of energy into keeping the limbic system going 
Uh-huh. And so if alcohol is making things weird, yes. we're going to be more likely. So, yeah, so most advanced stuff goes first. So our judgment, our our sort of executive function gets affected first. And then as you get more and more close to alcohol poisoning, yes. uh, you you sort of you regress the <clears throat> development of the brain back towards that reptilian center. Interesting. Totally wild. But what does it mean that that this guy in the middle, the tiny part that's the rat brain, that is who we are, the thalamus? The thalamus, yeah, the thalamus. That means that's who we are, but who I am, I associate so much with the outer parts of the city, meaning my intelligence and my language. Absolutely. But you're saying the brain doesn't identify that as who I am. What Then what is in the thalamus? I am this shape. I am this. The thalamus is responsible for your um, you broke core sense of identity. You broke the brain. <laughs> I had a little trouble putting my brain back together. That never happens. If this um, was on the TV show, a lot of laughs over the brain. <laughs> People seeing the brain being broken. Um, we, got, but, we got ice cream melting. Eat one of the sandwiches. Yeah, that's important. That's your, <laughs> that's your job. That's what you're up to. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's the, the deeper you go, the more vital. But yeah, see, so your th- Every animal, every vertebrate has some understanding that it's a thing. Every piece of my vertebrae? No, every vertebrate. Every animal that has a spinal oh, column no, has I a certain brain structure. Oh, sorry. Vertebrate I get means so- animal? <laughs> Fuck you, vertebrate. I, you know how many comments I'm going to get? Pete thought ver- <laughs> invertebrate is what? Without a spinal column. Yeah. What, like a jellyfish? A jellyfish would definitely be an invertebrate. Well, I'm back in the wind column. (laughs) I knew what an invertebrate was. All right, let's talk like a couple vertebrates. Yeah, yeah. So, so, okay, we're talking about the thalamus and what that means is the sense of self. Yes, and it's important. So also, like like Rob, I'm also a spiritualist. I'm a science and spirit kind of person. Yep, well, that's what we started talking about. And so our our thalamus, um, to give you some idea of what it does, if you brain scan someone's thalamus... Uh, both sides of the thalamus are pretty equal in activity mm-hmm. unless there's someone who prays or meditates a lot. And people who pray or meditate at least 30 minutes a day on a loving God get what's called an asymmetric thalamus. Uh-huh. So one side of the thalamus becomes more active than the other. And when that happens neurologically, you know that they've arrived at a place where their sense of identity has changed. So literally, when, because literally, it's in the gray matter. Neurologically rewired. Of the and when you believe, when you focus on this loving God so much, your conception of self and of reality changes. So whereas we're sort of biased towards limbic activity, focusing on and meditating on loving God strengthens the prefrontal cortex, strengthens the anterior cingulate cortex, and implants this idea that God is love. And if you believe that God is love and the world's ultimately loving, the risk calculus of your brain changes. So you're less likely to get angry. You're less likely to be fearful and you're more likely to respond to situations with compassion. And that shows up in brain scans. It's kind of wild. That is wild. But is that a, is that a delusion? Because, you know, I, you know, I'm a spiritual person as well. Yeah. But it, when, I, when we first talked about it, when I first heard you talking about that, I was like, is that just proof that you can tell yourself you – could, you could meditate on something else, that your own immortality, would that <laughs> – True. Would you be like, I'm the guy – you can't prove to me if I'm really that stupid and really spend a lot of mental energy – I'm the guy that's not going to die. And maybe that would affect my brain positively, even though that's completely false. Anything, anything you think affects your brain. Right. Anything. And anything you think of repeatedly affects your brain more. Well, this goes back to the the, the beginning, the genesis of a, a thought. Like you're saying meditating on a loving God yes. is better than when you meditate on a uh, on a wrathful God. Yes, wrathful God, bad for the brain. Bad for the brain. Very bad. And we can get to that. But both of those, both of this kind of uh, gray matter faith experiment yeah. begins with a certain choice. What, what you're offering right now is 
here are some good reasons to believe in a loving and good God. It's going to help you calm down. It's going to help you be slower to anger, greater compassion. It'll help you see the world better. But is the world better? Are you more like you are more compassionate? But like, did you arrive there with a fallacy? Invertebrate. <laughs> I know the word fallacy. You know what I'm saying? Are you I putting do. a disc in I your do. computer that's that's just got sweet lies on it? Okay, yeah. So, but we're every philosophy is built on assumptions. See, that's beautiful. Like I, I think every yeah, sure. every every belief system, unless you're a nihilist and you believe nothing, or you're a solipsist and you believe nothing beyond your consciousness exists. Both right. of those are pretty defensible belief systems, but not very useful. Like I believe in nothing, or I believe there's nothing but me. Well, that's like that's a pretty lame Friday night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, but see, okay, those discs. If we're going with my dumb analogy with an Apple IIGS, and we're putting the disc in, uh, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, where you could Loved hear them. the computer Loved thinking. Them. Absolutely, me too. King's Quest Three, great game. <laughs> uh, is the idea that uh, th- they're putting in less appealing? Now we're in the outer part of our brain. It's less appealing to us because you and I both know that love, beauty, truth, grace, redemption, those things exist. But really, uh, it, 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 that's why we favor the Loving God program. But it doesn't make it necessarily more true than the, it doesn't than the prove nihilist. that there is a loving God. It just proves the that fact, it's nice to meditate. It just on it. proves that belief in a loving God has benefits. And I think even the nihilist would tell you that, though. Isn't that the classic portrait of the tortured nihilist? Did you watch True Detective? No. Rust Cole is the ultimate nihilist, and he's like, "No, I get it." You want to think that there's a loving God and you want to think that you're somebody and we're, the truth is that we're nobody. And that human – I had to memorize one of his monologues. He talks about human co- consciousness being a tragic misstep in evolution, that nature created something separate from itself and that we should just deny our programming and stop reproducing, which, which is another disc to run. And he in yeah. that same scene says, I'm not good at parties. <laughs> so you're saying we should take a disc – and you have to understand, I, I'm playing the opposite side when, you know, if, no, we, yeah. if we were talking off my guy, just be All like, I do yeah, is... Yeah, totally, yeah, totally. I'm, <laughs> I'm the, the church guy who spends most of his time talking to atheists, so this is not like an area where yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're, we're similar fellas. You're, so so talk, talk about that. You're, you're putting in the disc that's, that you know, the outside part of your brain prefers, but that doesn't make it more or less true, I guess, is what we're agreeing on. Yeah, well, here, here's... I'm, I'm pretty... So I, I grew up like Southern Baptist. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, so I had this like very fundamentalist, very axiomatically secure belief system, and uh, and it worked really well. Like from a pragmatic perspective, if the premises of fundamentalist religions are not challenged, they're actually pretty useful, and they they generate happy people mm. until the model of reality is threatened. And so, if again back what to the would brain, threaten that model. What would threaten that model? Because what came to mind was uh, my the, the pastor of my church growing up. His daughter got sick, and we all prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and she that passed away. That would be away. great. Is that is that what you mean? Absolutely. So God God loves us. God intervenes. God loves us. God intervenes, and we pray, and God doesn't intervene. So either we're not good, or we don't understand a mysterious plan. Right. And there's all these sorts of philosophical implications, right? right? Right. And that's the problem. Bad thing. Another one. Another one. Like if you're part of most fundamentalist religions, very down on same sex behavior. Sure. And you meet a gay person who's really a good human being. Yeah, just like a kick And that can challenge the premise of fundamentalism. Ooh, I like that one. Do you know what I mean? That one's great. And so all those sorts of things. So as long as you're within the box, fundamentalism is like fantastic. Yeah. But as soon as the box is challenged, it tends to fall like a house of cards. Right. 
So it, it works kind of like uh, in the cult model almost. Like if we could have a, a commune and, and not yeah, have Yeah, well, so, but it's, it's really important to denote there is healthy and unhealthy fundamentalism. Yep. There is healthy and unhealthy atheism. And, and, and brain scientists tend to believe one of the hallmarks of dangerous beliefs or destructive beliefs is when the most important thing is that other people believe them too. Yes. That's like a sign of a damaging belief. Something that's, that's doing harm to your neurological makeup is when the most important thing about this idea is that other people have to share it too. Really? Yeah. So, and so if you look at like skeptics, there's this big divide. Like there's people who have arrived, I don't believe God exists through careful consideration and reason. And it's a personal decision. Hmm. And I might think there's some negative associated religious belief and I might share those, but in the end it's your call. And then there's also like Southern Baptist atheists which it's really important that no one believe there's a God at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what you'll find is when you get any one of the fundamentalist sort of frame of thinking where my goal is to convince people I'm right, um, those people tend to forget that their beliefs are formed by social identity. And they even – so when you're, when you're a skeptic who's kind of fundamentalist, you start ignoring evidence that might undermine your position. Okay. You know what I mean? And and the thing is, we're biased toward social identity. We're biased toward limit belief. Most people have a natural inclination to do that. When a thought's new and it's existing in your prefrontal cortex and you're considering it, that's one thing. But sooner or later, it migrates inward. It becomes a more permanent part of your thinking. And you stop checking your assumptions. Hmm. And so um, in a religious context, an assumption might look like people who don't believe like me go to hell. Mm-hmm. In a secular context, a belief like that might look like religion ruins everything and is always bad. Mm-hmm. And neither of those assumptions really have a lot of data or evidence to support them, but they're both very popular because they offer certainty and human brains are biased toward certainty. Right. We like uh, a nice black and white answer. The guy who says he knows, we just listen to the most. Uh, a good alpha guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, to that, uh, sometimes that comes up, the idea that religion isn't that harmful. And I've had some actually really wonderfully worded emails sent to me where we see the Middle Eastern example of the gay kid that was, you know, beaten to death mm-hmm. and everybody. And that's awful. And that's all. I, of course, you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to be like, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> like, that would be fucking insane. But that is awful. But you're saying that even that evidence doesn't necessarily take down the whole structure, even though it's very pleasant. It doesn't at all. I'm black and white, too. I, I delight sometimes in, in – uh, I've dabbled in atheism myself. I've dabbled I've, – I've grown up in you, and I know the pleasure that you're talking about, yeah. about growing up in a small church where it works. Yes. Even Even when our pastor's daughter do, did pass away, you know, they persevered, and we still stayed in that bubble. We stayed in that bubble. Mm-hmm. I stayed in that bubble through college. Yeah. But uh, so you're saying that one – it doesn't – neither need to be brought down entirely – so there's we we already know what dangerous beliefs are, um, and this this comes from brain science. Dangerous beliefs, dangerous like- beliefs. So well, so yeah. So religion goes bad when it goes bad. It goes really bad. Mm. You ha- when children are beat or mutilated for religious reasons. Let's go and call it bad. Yeah. When Christianity decides we need to convert people through Inquisition and Crusades, let's but- go and call that bad. But when Stalin decides to have an ethnic cleansing and he's a secularist, well, that wasn't driven by religion. So secularism, when it goes bad, it also goes really bad. Mm. So what's the common thread between the Crusades and Stalin? It's yeah. not religion. It's authoritarianism. Anytime the perseverance of an organization or idea subverts the well-being of humans, 
you have authoritarianism, and that's dangerous. And you can you can mix that cocktail with secularism. You can mix that cocktail with religion, and either way, it consistently results in a poor results for civilization. Mm. Authoritarianism is bad. And what happens is religions are so often authoritarian that it's become conflated. But modern religions, especially in the West, are not very authoritarian. They're very personal. They're very experiential. Um, and they, they actually tend to be quite gracious. They tend to emphasize the sort of um, feed my sheep to the least of these parts of their belief systems and the less they go into the promised land and kill all the other tribes, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's... You think that you think that's the most churchin we have here? Yeah, absolutely. M- most people, when you brain scan them, they show the God is loving um, understanding of reality. So... Um, because, you know, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens did a great service to the church in that they spotlight the bad stuff. And most people don't want to be associated with those things. Most people are pretty reasonable. And so um, what you've seen in the West, in Europe and now in America, is secularism sorts of acts as this, like, um, belt sander, and it sort of smooths the rough spots of faith and just leaves the things that are beneficial. Hmm. Um, so I actually think that's like this sort of dance between skeptics and and true believers is you really important and vital. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Cleaning the barnacles off the shark. But, yeah, and yeah, but then because right because when you turn around, there's there's a couple claims that like um, what you would call like new atheism or anti theist makes is one belief in God is unreasonable, mm-hmm. right? And um, two is that religion does more harm than good in society. And neither of those things really have a lot of data support them. They have the same sort of rhetorical framework that Christian fundamentalists use to justify their beliefs or Muslim fundamentalists use to justify their beliefs. It may sound good. You might paint a good picture. But when we actually look at research data, that's not the picture that emerges. It's funny because even as you're saying that, I'm, I'm realizing that my association with the church, even as somebody who came up with it and has some sympathy towards it, is more of a closed-minded, angry uh, destructive sort of gross thing. I don't necessarily see the love. I see the smile and the handshake and the guy that thinks it's bad that I say, uh, whatever motherfucker. Yeah. And the, well, the church <laughs> earned that reputation and that, and, you know, a lot of my churching, it, but that's only my church. So right. The problem is a lot of times, uh, the more fervent people that I have that are fervently spiritual or fervently atheist, I think are going to be, uh, coming from, some some data for sure, but it's going to be a personal experience, yes. like even me and an emotional personal experience. All my raging against the machine, I'm picturing specific faces. I don't know what churches are like around the country. I've listened to radio on the road, and I get frightened by what I'm hearing. And I have an overall, I have that Fred Phelpsy sort of thing. Yes. Like he's really fucking yes. things up for everybody. But like, uh, where are you getting the idea? Is that your personal emotional experience that you go to churches and they're loving? Are you saying we're actually going around and scanning brains? Uh, yeah, so, okay, first of all, we're biased towards anecdote for proof, right? <laughs> we believe like our personal experience is describes the world. And that was a really reasonable assumption, uh, assumption for tribal humans to make. Mm-hmm. Because our intuition, our, we've evolved to deal with things bigger than sand and smaller than mountains and to deal with tribes up to about 150 individuals in size. Mm-hmm. And that's where our intuition comes from. And it's really great at that. Your intuition is great at keeping you from getting eaten by a tiger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but what I've we never find, been eaten by a tiger. Exactly. You have effectively avoided <laughs> if I predators saw one, your whole I life. have no problem just going the other way. Right. Your intuition would say, up that's got stairs. huge teeth. Yeah. I'm going to stay away from it. I'd get in some water. Yeah. But when you, when, when, when you think about... <laughs> 
that would not, I don't, I don't think that would, would be work. rough. Actually, they're excellent swimmers. Uh, <laughs> but when you get into like quantum mechanics or astrophysics, <laughs> guess what? Your intuition's wrong like every time. That's, it wasn't prepared for. See, it. that's fascinating for me. Is is you're really shining a light on just how I make decisions. Yes. And the truth is, I'm up my own butt in a lot of ways, and we all are. Yeah. Okay. So what I do, what I do <laughs> is having this this journey where I started as a Baptist, became an atheist. Tell me about that journey, and then now you're a Christ follower, and I, now I, I'm, I, I like Jesus you, again because I had the mystical experience. Tell me that story. Tell me about becoming an atheist because, to be honest. I have a lot of wonderful that we call the fans of the show weirdos. We have a lot of wonderful atheist weirdos. Yeah, and they're my people, and they're always misrepresented on the show. I do a terrible job, and uh, I would love for you to make them feel heard. Okay, I can do that because <laughs> I'm the Christian that um, advocates that atheists deserve legal protection in this country, and they should not be discriminated against, and that it's a travesty that, like, the least when you poll Americans. They would vote for anybody before they would vote for an atheist. Really? Like Christians report that they would vote for a gay man before they would vote for an atheist. Really? Yeah. So atheists are not a real popular group in America. Gaytheists? Gaytheists. <laughs> gaytheists really have it tough. <laughs> and that could be either a gay atheist or a gay theist. But yeah, yeah. Both, that, that one works both ways. Because yeah, that Y really yeah, messes up the meaning really of the word. destroys it. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. so what, what, what atheists are really about, what skeptics are about, is you need proof for beliefs. Like – and we're not biased toward that. And our ability to just like accept bad information because it's socially appropriate or matches our experience is bad for the species. Mm. And they're right. They're right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to quote True Detective, it dulls our ability for rational thinking, believing in, in myths and stories. Yeah, and but we also have to remember rational thinking, evolutionary theory tells us um, that our ability to rationalize came not – we didn't learn to rationalize to discover new information – we learned to rationalize to convince other people our preconceptions were correct. Hmm. So even rational thinking is not all that rational. That's why the scientific method <laughs> has so many checks and balances in it because it's designed you to eliminate human bias. You know, I'm not, I'm not paying bias. you, by the way. This is free. <laughs> <laughs> say what you were just saying. I made a joke and interrupted you. That's okay. So rational thinking is not that rational and then say what you just said. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I don't Literally know. just two seconds ago. It's not that rational. It's just to convince other people. It's to people. convince other people of your preconceptions. Because that's, so, that has a tribal benefit. And the scientific benefit. method has checks and balances to get rid of human bias. That's yeah. where it comes from. And that's what makes people left so cold about it. Yeah. There isn't a lot of warmth to science because it's saying like – Oh, but there is. Oh, tell me. Oh, but the, see, that's all. Well, thing. you have to – we'll get to the warmth of science. Tell, tell the people – let's make you a human. Okay. <laughs> Because you're a robot. I am a bit of a robot. No, you're not a robot. I like talking to a robot. But I, I'm just saying the story. So you're growing up in northern Florida yep. or southern Georgia. Yep. And you are uh, – Baptist is a son of a gun. 25 years old, deacon, Sunday school teacher, and play in the worship band. That's creeping me out so hard. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when you're 25 and you're married with children and you're the youngest deacon in the church, guess what? I figured out life early. You sure I've did. already arrived. You kicked ass. I'm so certain I know everything. And then my dad, who I love, he's a music was a music minister, had an affair and left my mom. Yeah. As an adult. Sorry to say yeah, but, but I I like the way that that can kind of shake your it situation. Can. And so but I'm a, I'm a I'm a fundamentalist evangelical, so I go the answer to this problem is in the Bible. Yeah, piece of cake. So yep. I did what nerds do. I researched and I read the Bible four times cover to cover in a year. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, you can read the Bible pretty easily in three months if you're if you're a reader. Numbers. Numbers is a great book. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes. Well, you've, read it, not you've a, read it four times. Judges. Agreed or Judges is a great book. 
judges? Yeah. No. Yeah, well, like, we're going to drive the tent pole through the guy's head? Come on. No. Like, that, that's like 300. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? I mean, if you have that sort of vision while you're reading, but that you is a But you have to understand, gift. the Old Testament is savage and brutal because people were savage and brutal in those days. Right? Yeah, sure. So if you... I don't read I don't read Greek literature through modern eyes either, right? Yeah, that's, that's a disservice. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So, so you that, read the you read the Bible four mom, times. I'm gonna figure this out. You're scouring for the verse that says your your dad, Mike, left your mom for this reason. And uh, well, like, what is what does the Bible say about divorce? Yeah, and what is all the context surrounding that? And uh, but as a Baptist, the Bible is infallible and inerrant. It's perfect. It's God's word. It yeah. was dictated by God through people. Right. In a way that he doesn't do anymore. Right. Just, Just conveniently, he stopped a few thousand years ago. But he he gave these these sheep herders his perfect word, and yeah. it still applies to that. And you know, that's actually one of the things I love about our Latter-day Saint friends is they're like, no, God still does it. Yes. They're, they're right over here. Every year. Yeah, he's yeah. still revising. Why not? He's on the red phone. I yeah. don't understand why. why that's, it's a weird assumption of religion that people are like, God used to talk to us directly, and now he no longer does. But again, it's very convenient. most human beliefs are driven by what? Social identity. Uh-huh. So when you're with a bunch of people and they all say that's reasonable, of course humans go, yeah, that's reasonable. Everybody I know that I respect believes it, so it's right. That's fucking right. So, so good. So, so good. So I read the Bible and it doesn't match because I've always been a science guy. Yep. And I had sort of come to this piece where, okay, so obviously some of this is metaphorical. Like this isn't actually a day. But wait, in Genesis 1, it's telling me that trees were made before stars. There's no way. And then in Genesis 2... It lists the creation story again, only now it happens in a different order. I'm glad that you know that. No one and I ever talked to knows that. It's <laughs> like my, one of my fun Bible I made facts. an Excel spreadsheet, and I stopped when I got to uh, 3,400 biblical contradictions. <laughs> really? Yeah. 3,400 biblical contradictions. Well, then, I, then I was like, maybe I should Google this. And I found people had found all those and more, and my efforts were wasted. Well, so, but you did it yourself. But I have the, yeah. So. yeah. You can also use Google Earth to see what the top of uh, you know Mount Kilimanjaro <laughs> looks like, but you climbed it yourself. That's true. Only, yeah, like the most boring mountain ever. It's yeah. really fascinating. <laughs> the most boring biblical error mountain. So I started looking at biblical apologetics, which is like people who specialize in making the Bible make sense. Yep. And it didn't help. Their answers seem shallow. Sure. So well, you get the leaky bucket theory. People are like, this bucket leaks into this bucket, and that leaks into this bucket. And somehow we yes. go back to our brains, and we're just making a choice to well, believe. Well, in this that's simple, a better... Genesis goes, like an apologist would say, like a, like a fundamentalist apologist would say, well, Genesis 1 is about the creation of everything. Genesis 2 is about how God populated the Garden of Eden. They're totally different accounts. I thought 1 includes the creation of man. It does. Yeah. Yeah, but man's like in the end. So basically their thing is chapter two is an exploded version of day seven. Can I just say who cares? Like I who cares? Well if you think You know what I mean? Like if you think God dictated this book. But that's it's see, important. That's, that's your real problem right yeah. there. That's the th- one of the things I bonded with Rob over was I was like, look, I can't have any conversation about any religion. But millions of Americans believe this today. Without being like, or it's just not true. Or it's just a mistake. Right. Or it's just bullshit. But that's what happened to me. Okay. That's where I went. Keep going, Mike. No, I'm, you just nailed it. Like, the book doesn't work. So around that time, uh, a friend of mine had introduced me to the writings of Rob What does Bell. your wife think of this? She doesn't know. I didn't tell anybody. You didn't tell I it? I was a freaking you in the closet? submarine closet atheist. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm doing sermons. You kept. And I don't believe in God. No! Here's why. No, you have to. 
Like you don't. No, show I believe up. it. You don't show up at church. and Go, hey guys. Yeah. I don't think God's real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like Whoops. meltdown. Well, that's the burden of the pastor or the deacon in your case. Yeah. It's like you have to. Well, here's your job. I I I never believed religion was bad. It might be wrong, but I just saw like I saw people in my church give up very difficult addictions because they believe this story. And I saw people heal marriages that were doomed because of this story and this exact understanding of scripture. Yeah. So I said, if I come in and I'm so respected in this church and I go, I don't know, like, A, what if I'm wrong? What if this is a phase? And B, even if I'm right, this is only going to create destruction. And by the way, that church, which I still love, and there's great people there, Mm. I grievously wounded it going through this process. Like I heard a lot of people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like re, like people coming to me just like tears in their eyes. You know what I mean? When you came out, well, I didn't come out till I was back. But when I came back, I was this new progressive mystic believer who loved Jesus, and that was almost worse. It's like you should that's know what, better. That's what I say on this show all the time when we talk about my beliefs. I go, I'm saying things that would make 2001 Pete throw up in his mouth. Right. He would. Right. Re- he would rather I completely walk away from the faith than be like, I'm into Christ consciousness. Like, he, he would yes. be like, fuck you. We don't want and, you. Right. So all these people that I used to go to church <laughs> with, who, many of them are still friends, but, like, they can't talk to me without saying, listen, I love you, and I, I value our friendship, but it's important you know I disagree with literally everything you say ever. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Um, so yeah. you, you, you severed some ties. You lost some stuff. I fought hard to keep them, but it, eventually it, it, it didn't work. Take take me more. The the atheism stuff lights me up. So it's not just the biblical inerrancy. No. So, you so I was reading Rob's stuff at the recommendation of a friend. But that's that, what brought you back. No. What? This on the way out. So <laughs> I, was, the, I was this Our friend Rob continued to push you away? I, no. Well, I was this level of certainty at a fundamentalist, and the Bible stopped working. And yep. I read apologetics. It didn't work. And a friend of mine was like, no, dude, just read Rob Bell and Donald Miller. Yep. And I read the I read Blake Jazz and Velvet Elvis and they have a completely different approach to scripture where it's this the importance is this narrative and this story and how it affects us. And I was like, this solves all my problems. Yes. So I went from being like a really certain fundamentalist to an insanely certain progressive Christian yeah. in like 30 minutes. <laughs> so I was like, this is I've got I only thought I had life figured out. Now I've really, now really got have, life figured out. Cuz you're transrational so now. So a but right, yeah. I'm all trans so Cuz that'll mine, save you too. You'll a buddy go, of mine yeah. says like he's an atheist and he says here's the deal. You think Rob Bell's great. Fantastic. I'll read Velvet Elvis if you'll read The God Delusion. Boom. And I'm thinking I know all about science. I'm smart. And I get this story. So I'm in. I have nothing to fear from the God delusion. And I started reading the God delusion. And it was like if if I just said, hey, Mike Tyson, let's joust. No. It kicked my ass. You shut your mouth. All over the world. And so I was like, well, there, you know, some things I, I couldn't buy into, but other criticisms were fantastic and yeah. well thought out. Can you tell me one that really knocked your sock? I haven't read it. And you know why? That's because I like the disc that I have in my drive. Everybody yes. that listens to this show knows that I. I haven't like read the God beliefs. Delusion in a while, so let me let me think about the table of contents for a second. Um, I have it on my Kindle, just haven't read it. <laughs> I you know I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm an East Coaster, and it's like four in the morning. Um, oh my God! Yeah, you're in a weird time zone right yeah. now. Uh, but there were there were great arguments 
uh, about why it's completely unreasonable to believe in God because there's no evidence at all, period. Okay. That's, 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 that's the, the basic. big bunch. Like, that's, that one got me. Yeah. The religion's harmful. I'd go, no, this is wrong. This yeah. is wrong. This is poorly supported. But there's no evidence whatsoever to support the belief in a biblical theistic God. Yep. Boy, it was tight. So then I read Hitchin stuff, and then Whew. I read Daniel Dennett, and then you know, and then I just kept reading all these skeptics, and more and more and more. I was like, God, these guys are smart. Yes. And when I consider, when I started dwelling with these ideas, I felt like I got smarter because science made more sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't struggle with astrophysics the way I used to because, whoa, no, the the whole Big Bang thing, yeah, that just adds up. Mm-hmm. So, um, because you used to be, I a- was no longer filtering all my identity through biblical literalism. You were a biblical literalist. Yes, absolutely. And a, a literalist just for all of it. The whole thing. Seven front days. To back. Seven, well, seven Six. yom. The Hebrew word is yom, which uh-huh. can mean either a day or a period of time. So I assumed it was seven epochs, so sort of eras uh-huh. that might have been billions of years. Oh. Um, but well, uh, I've never heard that. Yeah, that's not that. That's not that obscure. Anytime you, oh, there's lots of old Earth creationists, there's lots of theistic evolutionists. All belief systems are more diverse than anybody gives them credit for. Yeah, sure. Um, Do they teach that if you go to the creationist museum? Though they're no, saying days. those are all young Earth six day, yeah. seventh era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, creation museum. You weren't doing that. <laughs> well, I was as a kid, uh-huh. but I, I knew enough about science. I couldn't hang on to that. But mm-hmm. I made this sort of uneasy truce. But now I'm praying to God every day. God, I love you. Thanks. This stuff does not make sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm being Mike. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm being God. Well, yeah, but I, that's the other thing. I, I I first kind of had the Jesus experience when I was like seven. Yeah. And I'd always had like a sense that God was with me wherever I went. Mm. You know what I mean? Just a feeling. Yeah. 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 No, like, well, I'd get answers from God. Like I would pray and I'd hear back. What do you mean? Like something very clearly beyond my own consciousness would respond. Now, Tanya Lerman is an anthropologist. She wrote a book called um, When God Talks Back, Understanding Evangelical America's Relationship with Spirituality, something like that. Mm-hmm. Really catchy title, but a great book. <laughs> um, she sort of goes into the psychology and a bit into the neurology of how that works. So um, that's actually a common thing that people hear back from God. You're saying you think you were hearing back. I was actually probably hearing back. Brain. No, that's how it felt. Uh-huh. The subjective experience was as well my consciousness. Today, I understand that was more likely a quirk of a particular way to train your brain's reality sensing mechanism. Uh-huh. Um, that's a good sentence. What? Yeah, that was a good sentence. So. <laughs> <laughs> it means the jellyfish doesn't have a spot. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So you're okay. So there you go. So you're still kind of dabbling in the idea that you had a spiritual Well, basically experience. what happened is, uh, one day I was praying mm. and I said, God, I don't even know why I'm praying. I don't believe in you. And two things happened. One, that feeling I always had that the Spirit of God was with me left. Hey, thanks a lot. And two, <laughs> I really like you, Pete. Uh, and two, this trap door, of this existential trap door kind of opened underneath my feet. And I really quickly realized there's no ultimate purpose to humanity. I'll never see my loved ones who died again because there's no heaven. Even if I did my great father, it doesn't matter. The sun's going to blow up in four billion years. Um you know what I mean? Just all these sorts. Yeah, it's there's all no point to anything. Like instant nihilism. Yeah. 
Instant nihilism. The uh, the sun exploding thing is a great way to get me to feel pretty nihilistic. <laughs> Everything we've ever believed is gone. And, and yeah. if you want to talk to somebody like me who's like, oh, God, the proof of God is this. This existence is is God. We're inside of God. Everything is God sort of yes. thing. Yes. What happens when the sun explodes and all of this consciousness just goes somewhere else? We go to Jupiter. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, if you get me on an astrophysics tangent, we'll never come back. No, I okay. Love well, let, space. I'm gonna. I'm, well, let's end with space. Then. Okay. I'm gonna put down because you couldn't be listening to a more captive audience than me for that sort of like stuff. I, brains here. Yeah. Space. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about. So, well, do, no, so do this, you, this man? Is, this is this is the deal. <laughs> so, yeah. So I left. I left God behind. And so you got your ass kicked by the God delusion and other books. The and God delusion books. started a thing. The one that really got me was Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot. I don't know it. Oh, like leave here, grab it, and sit down. Really? Oh my gosh! Carl Sagan is one of that. the greatest scientists of our day, and maybe ever. Not only was he brilliant, is he did such a fantastic job communicating science, not as something cold and calculating, but warm and beautiful. Hmm. He basically wrote poetry in response to a photograph taken by Voyager of the Earth called The Pale Blue Dot. Shut up. And it is, oh, it's gorgeous. But what he got me is he talked about geocentrism and our tendency to think we're the center of everything. And he said, okay, let's look at the universe. We're not. Not at I showed that to Rob. We'll, yeah. we'll, get, to, we'll get to space. Yeah. But I showed Rob one of my favorite things. It's, it's on the internet. It, it, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know who made it. But it shows our planet. Yes. Then it shows our solar system. Yes. Then it shows the uh, community of solar systems yes. that we're in. And it keeps our pulling our galaxy. Thank you. And it keeps pulling out and out and out and out. To the local group. Yeah. All that sort of yep. stuff. As far back as we can go. 13.77 billion light years away is the edge of the visible universe. Right. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> I'm serious. I got, I got chills when you said that. And then it had a very kind of typical Jesus with the blue swoosh. And he's got his hands around it. And it says, don't masturbate. You lost. <laughs> You lost me at the end. Like you had me and you had me and then Well, it's a joke. I know, but it's <laughs> even as a joke, it's too it hits too close to home. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I like love the joke it. that's not funny because it just skewered you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like no, I understand that. Yeah. But that that is that sort of like when we well, we we're getting into space. I want to say in the story, but the idea of whether or not me masturbating on this tiny drop in this is way bigger than an yeah. ocean is is pretty preposterous yes. given how much time I spent in my youth going, if I could just stop doing this one thing, me and Jesus would be tight. Right. Okay. So we'll get to space. And we can also get to the sexual ethics of religion. That's a fun topic too. So oh, well, we always talk about um, sex. So what's up? That's my favorite part. Sex? Well, yes. This is David. <clears throat> oh. What's happening? <laughs> um, you masturbate all the time. <laughs> I haven't masturbated in a few days. It's like changing the oil. I mean, it's just a thing that has to happen. So <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get we'll get to sex. I, I want to hear your thoughts on sex and space. Let's let's stay in sex the, in space. Sex at, well, we don't even know if it's happened. We I've never not had sex floating on a planet in space. Yeah, it's insane. It would be good. I can't go anywhere that's not in space. Uh, <laughs> I, am I going to have an existential crisis because of this? Podcast? We are in space right now. That's true. I have a I have a bit about that. It's my it's my favorite bit to perform, and I just scream at the audience. <laughs> We're on a planet, and you're all you all just stop talking about it. Yeah, I'm not done talking about it. Yeah, over and over. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest yeah. things that we can do. Is remember that you parked your car on a planet. Yes. 
you tonight. Absolutely. David, your car is on a planet. 105,000 miles an hour hurtling around the sun. That Those facts yeah. are uh, how fast our solar system is moving, how fast the planet, we're rotating at 1,000 miles an hour at the equator, and we're spinning at about, I think it's 32,000 miles an hour, I, I, I could be wrong, around the sun. I just think we need to remember that constantly. Yes. Constantly. We are moving. We're moving. Yeah. Well, that's the bit. I guess. And that's the whole thing like relativity. Never mind. That's that's way up. We'll get to it. I'm gonna put so. I'm gonna I'm gonna push J seven for that song on the jukebox. Let's stay in your personal narrative because you've just lost God and I lost and God. I am it sucked. In, and I'm interested. And yeah, you didn't I, like it. it. Because I, I did make that joke, hey, thanks a lot. But I know that feeling, that feeling of uh letting go of God and feeling that sort of thing. That was probably identifiable in your brain that you associated with God. This is my warm God place. God is an immense collection of circuits in your brain. Boom. And you devote enormous resources to your understanding of God. And it left. And humans are innately, innately dualistic. The seeds of religion exist in every human being, including atheists. You mean if uh, we wipe out society, it'll just keep coming back and, and back and back. It's, yeah, it's, it's religion is going to be hard to wipe out. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. It, <laughs> actually, yeah, I'm probably there are many there are many Christians who believe I'm the start of that process. But, Is that um, right? Yeah, that means you're doing something right. So, I lost God. Not fun. Couldn't tell anybody. Uh, I did that for two years. So in person, you kept preaching. Yeah, yeah. So in person, like like people would come to me with doubts, and they're I just I'm not sure if God's real. And say, what's your question about God? And they would give me the easy ones. Like they wouldn't go to like the morality of God or like um, sort of more difficult questions. They would stick with really. What's easy, an easy one? Like like Genesis one, Genesis two. Yeah, sure. Well, this is this is well. Maybe maybe we're thinking about scripture wrong. Maybe the point of scripture is not a literal bit of facts. Maybe the point of Genesis is is that God did it. Well, that's and my, how he relates to us. My favorite quote. I, I learned that from a rabbi. He goes, it's not how God created the world, it's that. Right, and that's an easy one. Boom, easy. An easy one. T-ball. A tougher one is like the problem of evil. Yeah. Like how can evil exist? Everything I have, everything, all my favorite little theories that I share on this podcast, I'm like, sometimes it's fun for me to consider that we were souls living in infinite perfection with God and we opted to come here. We elected to come here because being in a finite mortal coil is the only way to truly learn more about this thing that we love so much. Great, fine. When you're me... What happens if you're born into a terrible house and you're being abused? You yeah. What, I mean? what if you're what if you're born in Africa? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, what, and what you're systematically then? raped for years before you're finally murdered. Yeah. Thanks. Great. Great learning. I Thanks. Can, yeah, That's a I, good classroom. You wouldn't play the game if that was one of the options. Right. And one of the things that got me, one of the things that got me out of God was this idea. Imagine God is a father. Okay. You have kids. One of your kids is beating the other kid to the death. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're not going to intervene because of free will. Yeah, you'd go to prison. Right, right. So, um, and that, that was like, oh, like a bad, that's a pretty good criticism. A weird father. Well, that that's one of those things where I remember having those debates. I don't really have those debates anymore. I don't because they're not that interesting. They're not as Rob would say. That's the wrong question, which I think is often the right answer. To Rob, a lot I love of Rob. He, I don't think there's wrong questions. <laughs> what I think when he says that to me, he means we'll talk about it. That's the wrong question to get to an interesting place in life. Maybe. Yeah. So I'm totally on board in that context. Yeah, that, I think that's what he means because yes. he'll indulge me with any question. But yeah. When you get well, to, that's what Rob does. When you get to the problem of pain, uh, you're you're gonna i forget what i was gonna say but you're kind of you're kind of screwed you're gonna get in trouble yeah oh i remember what it was it was that like either god isn't all-powerful 
Or he is and he doesn't care. He's either all-powerful or not benevolent. Yeah. Has your two options. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, so he's, either way, he's not the god we think of. He's not so great. Yeah. That, that god, not so great. So where not I'm so at, great. where I'm at, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm giving great Sunday school lessons because you learn a lot the, about the Bible disproving it. Yeah. And you learn a lot about history and your your people are like, man, you're on a roll the spiritually within you. And you're like, the spirit's not within me. Oh, my God. I felt it. But leave. then on the other <laughs> hand, you're on Reddit counseling other people leaving the faith saying it's going to be okay. As, a, be okay. as with an atheist. A, as a, but like with, under the guise of, a, of a, a another name. Oh, yeah. 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 Name. Well, I had like a deck, a card deck full of Reddit accounts. Like there was so you were funny. never tracing that. Back Some to people me. are cha- hiding pornography from their wives. You're hiding atheist Mike. That, that's it. That is so fucking great. So interesting. No, okay, but if you're raised evangelical, yes, God is love. People who don't have God don't actually know love. So I know if I tell her, she's going to believe I don't love her. Well, it's, that, the, oh. it's the inescapable conclusion. I've never of heard that. You just made me an atheist. With that. I was like, you haven't spent enough time in the southeast. So yeah. uh, <laughs> that's so uh, kind of Bible Belt's different. Yeah, to well, say it that is. It, it, know yeah, me. yeah, but it's 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 all building a hedge. Right, it's to this is a dangerous line of thought. So let's put a really big warning sign. So yeah. I go down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here you are. But my digging wife under the wall. knows me. Uh huh. And eventually, she. It took a couple years, but she's like, something is up with you. Are you wearing black lipstick? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so she like needled me just over and over one night on our couch and was like, "What's going on with you? Nothing. What's going on with you? Nothing. What's going on with you? Nothing. You want you want to tell her? I don't." Because I'm, I'm. Here's the thing. Who like, are you, Tony Soprano? You're out whacking people, and you come home and eat ice cream on the couch. Well, because all I can see is the fallout in her own life. Because if she learns the seeds of my doubt, it's going to make her doubt too. You think so? Oh, uh, yeah. You're not afraid she's going to leave you or not love you. Uh, that was. I was also afraid of that, but okay. I was more afraid of the loss of God in her life. Because you knew you could probably. Because I knew what it feels like, and it's. All, I knew I could take her down. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm nice, but I'm a fantastic. I'm great at arguing stuff. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So finally, she's like, "What's wrong with you?" And I was like, "I'm just not sure God is real." No. And she goes, "Well, you just got to get right. You got to get right. You got to get right." So yeah. she starts like, "I'm like, oh, okay." She starts leading me down like the Roman road, like the whole path of salvation, the necessity. But I know the whole Bible. I've been reading it over right, and over. Right. right. And I understand the theological implications, and I have an objection to all of them, and I don't want to do this. Let's not do this, but she wants answers, and I answer, and she gets smaller and smaller and more and more withdrawn. And my wife and I have always had this beautiful marriage, Mm. always. And uh, she finally, like, gave up for the night, and we went to bed. And for the first time in my marriage, there was, like, the iron curtain down the mattress. Like, we're together, but we're not together. And I'm like... Oh, this is like even worse than I thought. It's worse than if you had said, I'm having an affair. I don't. Well, see, and then I think she'd just stab me and we'd be done. <laughs> this is worse. You know, this is worse. Because this is a stalemate. Yeah. And stalemate. she's going to pray for you. And now. she's going to pray gonna for gonna me now. You. And she's not going to tell anybody because she realizes it would do our community. So now she's carrying this secret, but we're not together because I don't believe in she does. So we're both alone together. Ooh. Ooh. God. And we've got kids. Ooh. And I led my oldest daughter to Christ as an atheist. Mm. Wow. And she got baptized, and I didn't believe in God. Did you baptize her? My pastor did, yeah. And he's secretly, you know, totally a nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think I got some <laughs> he's a, he's You're making fella. me wonder how many times I've heard a sermon just visiting a church from a pastor. I get contacted who didn't by hundreds of clergy who don't believe. You shut your mouth. Hundreds. This is a free podcast. <laughs> People can just download it. You're a man that gets contacted by hundreds of clergy. Once you come out, other people in the closet don't feel alone. I'm going to hit you with a torch. <laughs> I just can't believe your story. That's okay. Uh, so what? Do, how does that feel? Today? I mean... Great. Solidarity. Yeah. So You're they felt alone or they're not. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I wish somebody did that for me. Yes. That's and why you, I do it. And when you get these emails... You're not well. Now we're in. The, I replied every single one. So uh, we're, that's we're, great. We we're in the present time. Let's so, let's stay in the on the. So path. so stay on the She path. the next. I go to work the next day. We pretend things okay for the kids. Kids go to bed. We start having to talk again. Hmm. And finally gets the point. She goes, I don't know if we can be married. Who did she talk to? Just me. Yeah, but like, she mean, didn't go talk to anybody else. It's just no. years of training. It's it's just it is. I I saw this one coming before it happened. You did. Yeah, I knew, and so the, I was ready. I said, listen. I love you. Not only do I love you, I love you more than I did before because no longer are you second in my life to an imaginary God. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Oh. So, Whoa. Yeah, you are now tonight. not a thing in my life. You are the thing. And yeah. here's how much yeah. I love you. I will pretend to be a Christian for the rest of our lives. Ooh. Our children will never know. What is no this? one at church will ever know. What is this story? And I will... <laughs> I'm because religion's beneficial. I believe it helps people. Yeah. Okay. So I'm okay, like with the fairy tale that makes people better. You okay? So, um, and so that didn't sit great with her, but she believed I loved her. Uh huh. But in in accepting that, guess what just happened? I just undermined her epistemology. Her way of knowing the world just changed by accepting that fact that you love her, right? Because I have no god, and I have love. That's a contradiction to everything she was taught her whole life. I've never heard that teaching. You're well, but where, it's where are you from? The East Coast. I'm from Boston. Yeah, but Northeast. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Bible Belt's a different world. We could down there. Christians are still in charge of everything. Yeah, there's no like secularist tide in the South. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you weren't in church on Sunday. We've got Harvard, MIT. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, we have not. Yeah, but so you've got Hooters, right? <laughs> you've got Waffle House. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. I'm with you on Hooters, but don't be knocking Waffle House, okay? Now we're we're gonna have a problem. So yeah. Um so she didn't know what to do and she broke my confidence and she told my mom. You get out of here. And my mom is like <laughs> super spiritual and super knowledgeable. Your mom. My mom. Why? To concede? Contrition. Okay, what higher authority can you appeal to in someone's life if the wife's already on it and the mom get the Freud? No, Freud God, you're dead. Yeah. yeah. So I threw this. She did it. Why? Her motivation? Because I think I understand. Because she audience. was alone and confused and afraid. Yeah. And if she told her mom, like, "Well, I'm an in-law. I'm. I can be sacrificed, but my mom won't stop loving me." Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She had to pick her ally very carefully, and someone who understood what was at stake and wouldn't run their mouth. And someone who knew the Bible really, really well and could probably out-argue me, right? Really? Well, that was Jenny's Her assumption. Thought. Yeah. Ha, sounds like a man who won an argument and, uh, with his mom. Well, you cannot win an argument with your wife or your mother. Even if you win, you lose. Yeah. There's okay. no winning in that situation. So I throw this star party 
with my telescope because I'm a member of the Tallahassee Astronomical Society. Okay. And uh, I invite all my Baptist church friends to look at the universe through a telescope. Yes. And so, like, a lot of people come, bring their kids. And when I start talking about how this thing we're seeing, the Andromeda galaxy, is two and a half million light years away. So the light you're seeing from this galaxy left Andromeda two and a half million years ago. Right. A lot of people go on, that's beautiful and impossible. The because universe is only 6,000 years wait, old. Wait, these are 6,000ers? They've got some of those in the church, yeah. No. And a lot of them, actually. Oh, no. But here's the thing. Those are not unintelligent people. They're not stupid. They just, again, inside the box, it all makes sense. I understand. Yeah. They're it's good hard. people. Like, these are people who, faster than anybody would sell something to make sure you didn't lose your home. Yeah. Right? They're good people. Yeah. And in fact, again, one of the things, the data points for religion is religion people, religious people not only give more to religious charities, they give more to secular charities per capita and as a percentage of their income than secularists. Interesting. That's a data point. However, Rust Cole, you got to watch Shoe Detective, would say like anything done for fear of a punishing God or for the reward of heaven isn't isn't somebody that I want. Yeah, but that includes Buddhists. Buddhists aren't afraid of punishment. <laughs> no, and yeah, progressive oh, I, Christians yeah, who don't go. believe in hell. Okay, still, you didn't mean Christians. You just mean I everybody. meant religious people. All of them. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, but those friends of yours that are selling their possessions to make sure you don't lose your house, you know. But they, the, again, their their ultimate belief. Time cube. Okay, their ultimate belief in, in God is that. Um, his love trumps his justice. His mercy is more powerful than his anger. Mm. That's why Jesus. That's why Jesus. Right. That's the name of your next book. That's why Jesus. I explained the world to Jesus. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, you're wrong about the 6,000. Sorry, bro. Actually, the sky is blue because of refraction. Yeah, sorry. Um, that's just like- why, Jesus. <laughs> That's the language part of the brain. That's that just funny. literally reads. That is funny. That, yeah, that's a, that, you put a comma in there. Yeah. That's so, so, mom, so you had a, a Andromeda. Yes. You had, I don't, I, I'm honestly, the, it's so badass. A secret atheist deacon has a star party, points a telescope. At an inarguable at the proof, closest galaxy, yeah. Either this galaxy is put there as a challenge by Satan, which yes. I believe is what the uh, Creationist Museum uh, says. But it was made old. That's what they say. It was made. It was made old. old. They, Adam didn't appear as a fetus and grow. He was a grown man. Yep. Oh, you! Wow. That I, is, dude, I study everybody's opinion on everything. That's but that's some creative get. storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Who but I, again, it's axiomatically consistent. Yeah, yeah. Inside Meaning the it's box, in the box. It works. In the box, it works. Yeah. yeah very, yeah. very interesting. But – So after the star party, my mom says – Your star party? Jesus. Um, Michael? Yes. Jenny called me. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, no. no. Everyone's no. left. It's like 1230. And my mom and I, like Neo and Agent Smith – Back and forth, Epoch, almost second matrix, almost era. sunrise. Theism versus atheism. No, and my mom finally says, "Well, you just have an answer for everything, don't you?" Oh, I sound like a dick to my mom. Like, and I don't want to do this, but they keep saying, "No, talk. Don't just be quiet. Tell us why you don't believe." And so she says, "Well, I tell you what. I'm just going to pray 
that God moves so powerfully in your life that you cannot deny that it's him. Again, I find that to be condescending. Yeah. You, All of this sort of thing is like, oh, that's cute. That's interesting. From this side, it I'm going to go talk to the big guy. And yes. I know that's your mom, but to me, these are just people that I don't know. So I'm just hearing a story yeah. of a man who did a lot of work. And I've had conversations like that where people go, I'm going to pray for you. Yes. Fuck you. Yes. Not your mother. No. I'm, I'm picturing my friend who was like, I'm struggling. Well, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to. People still do that. To yes, me. they do. Please yeah. keep going. But you believe in an adventurous God. So in your mind, you're helping. Yes. That that is and uh, in any situation interventionist where, where I interventionist God I where I it. operate interventionist interventionist uh, an interventionist in, oh, God so Southern drawl it's like I know so Baptist Baptist <laughs> you went to a Baptist Baptist church so I go to a Baptist church uh, <laughs> not anymore <laughs> they won't have me but um, yeah so mom pray I'm gonna pray for you and I think but here's what I think where I operate in life theist atheist doesn't matter. In any conversation, I get in the other person's head. And what that actually means when someone says, I'll pray for you, it what it really means is I care for your well-being deeply. Mm. So I said, Mom, thank you for caring about me. And I meant it. That that's was so, not snarky. That's truly great. Like, what's I, worse I just to went be to the for? fear anger yeah, part. Yeah, absolutely. I did. So what's worse? You went to the outer parts. You have to. The you, but no, but that's what uh, character is. That's what the, what is the word we have for that? When you go up to the skyscrapers and say, I went to fuck you. Which is you, normal. And it is normal. Can, well, you showed me where my spine goes into yes. the pool of fuck you. But you went into the, the softer mush yes. that makes Empathy. you a human Empathy. and not a chimpanzee. <laughs> yes? Well, I guess I could have flung poo at her, but uh, <laughs> probably mean, not could. the best strategy. Yeah. You'd be like, your DNA's in here too. So, and that's also where I consider like, uh, so what's worse than not than being prayed for? Forgot being forgotten. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? At least somebody's being thinking ignored. of me. That's right. Yeah, there's somebody cares. Great. Yep. Nothing's gonna happen, and my mom's gonna be disappointed. But in the meantime, she loves her son, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, like two weeks later, my buddy emailed me and said, Rob Bell's having a conference for fifty people, and we'd like you to be one of them to go. To go. Yeah. As an atheist. As an, he didn't know I was an atheist. No one knew but my mom and my wife. Oh, right. Sorry. So I'm two weeks, mom says, I'm praying. Brain. Fire. Interesting coincidence. Uh, this author that almost saved my faith, I get a chance to meet him in person. And, like, I don't believe in God, but uh, I do believe that Rob is a fantastic communicator, and I work in advertising, and communication is an important part of my job. Yep. So I'll just go, like, steal his methods. Yeah, why not? Yeah. It's so funny that you say that. I love that. That's I've said this on the I've said everything I have to say on the show before. We you're our two hundred and first episode. So Fantastic. It's happened. I've you said all this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I intelligence is is the thievery, a lot of it. Yes. You're either reading yes. it, you're hearing it, you're seeing it, we're absorbing. Yes. I, I think that's that makes it exciting to me. Yeah. I'm talking to you right now, and I'm you know, th- Theft makes it sound exciting to me, like a bank heist. But really, I'm just absorbing yeah. your intelligence. Right. You've read these books. You've read Pale Blue Dot. You're explaining these things to me, and I'm becoming better for it. I just think that makes it so much more fun. So you're yeah. going to go and heist some of Rob's gold. Yes, and he's got a lot. So, he's got a lot. So, uh, and oh, by the way, I was already supposed to be in California to go to NASA. So, you so had I already had a flight. The flight, I was going to be in NASA Thursday, Friday, and Rob's thing was Monday, Tuesday. So I just had to move my return flight, and I was done. Boom. So timing lined up really well. Do you call that Providence? As close as I get to using words like Providence, yeah. yeah it certainly seemed interesting. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Your brain saw that. My brain proof texted and meaning went, there. Yeah, and when is this meaning? Would yeah. like to release this good feeling. Yeah, like I don't believe in God, but this is <laughs> this is interesting. So I go to NASA. It was awesome, as you would expect NASA to be. Would I? <laughs> Come on, like NASA, no, no, no. I'm interested. In like space. at one point, we had to turn around because at the Air Force Base they were firing some top secret engine, and we were not allowed to see it. Oh wow! And so we all had to stand there not looking while men with like you know projectile weapons, yeah, just in case you turned around, right? So, or had a mirror, or had a mirror, right? <laughs> Put the mirror down. <laughs> of all the times to reapply, but here's your the thing: like when there's like when there's the dudes like with deadly force authorized, people don't like joke around, turn yeah. around. They're pretty obedient. No, I've been to Israel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> so uh, I made a gesture for things getting more intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and not one fingered one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you get this invitation. There's yes. a little, I'm going to use the word providence because I like that sort of yes. stuff. But that's my brain then releases a chemical cocktail that feels nice. I yes, go, look, the world has meaning. It does. And I'm going to allow myself. You just gave yourself some certainty. I just did it. Yep. I created dopamine. I don't know what I did. Cortisol. A whole cocktail. And it feels nice because I go, <laughs> not look. cortisol. Though, definitely not. Look, not, what's cortisol? Cortisol. Stress. Yeah. Cort- not, cor- yeah. Re- lowered my cortisol. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, why did I know that? And I still said it. Anyway. You, it's like I'm talking to a TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a conversation with a TED Talk. So I'm going to use Providence. You go, you've lost your faith. You have your showdown with your mother. It's a great story. Now you're going to meet my, one of my best friends, Rob Bell, who saved me twice. Tell me what happened. And so he talks about creativity and it's fantastic. And he talks about spiral dynamics and it's fantastic and compelling. Purple to red. And then he talks about atheism and it's bleh. Oh, no. Because he doesn't describe atheism as I know it. He describes atheism as it's described in the church. Even Rob Bell, this amazing, smart, progressive man, to my ears, sounds like Jerry Falwell. Oh, really? Yeah, because he keeps saying these things about atheism that, like, as I know atheists, they're good people yep. trying to live life yes. and help other people if they can, just in like fact, Christians. To that, I've said another big mo- – all my friends are atheists, uh, except Rob. <laughs> is, uh, it was a big moment in my life. I went to a hotel, and they had these unattended chips, and I've told this story before. I'm with my friend TJ. He's an ardent, ardent atheist, and I'm like – I am just starting to dabble with the idea of letting go of that type of lifeguard God. I'm like, should I steal these? I could steal these. Why shouldn't I steal these? There's no hell. There's no heaven. I should steal these. And he was like, here's the humanist reason why you shouldn't steal those. This person's in charge of those chips. She could get in trouble. She could lose her job. She wouldn't be able to feed her family. That's her stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. I was Jerry Falwelling myself going like these atheists, these godless people are just out stealing chips whenever they can, which sounds crazy to me. Atheists are demonstrably more moral than believers. Hit it. So I had to like give the Christians their credit. Yeah, at the time. But atheists are, uh, they have lower divorce rates. They um, tend to come to their moral considerations through reason and not dogma. And so they stick to them more because they made a choice to yeah. live this way. Ah, a code. So that's, and I basically stood up and was like, Rob, I don't mean to In the prevail, conference. but you're wrong about atheism. And I listed very politely, Southern, humorously why I didn't understand. And I ended my sort of screed with, so tell me how any person who is reasonable and understands the universe, how could they possibly believe in any God? That was the last line. <laughs> Fully expecting like time to get thrown out, time to get thrown out. Yeah. And instead he goes, thank you for sharing and being honest. I think we all needed to hear that. What? Ah. Not the Christian response. I mean, it's actually the Christian response, but not the one yeah. I was expecting. Yeah. And then he goes on this whole thing of, listen, you're obviously a smart dude. You obviously understand a lot of science. 
and you're smart enough that you're used to dominating your experience by categorizing it. He said, but something in you transcends categorization. And I know that because you flew across the country to meet a pastor. Mm -hmm. So there's something in you still unresolved on this stuff. He said, so I'm going to tell you to take all the things you don't understand and put them on a bucket in your brain and on that bucket, write God. And if that's all you can do, if all you can do is surrender that there are things you don't know, that's enough because you already live a Jesus life. You told me that no one knows you're an atheist because you don't want to hurt people's faith. That's sacred. That's beautiful. Hmm. So um, everyone in the church has told you it's all or nothing, and I'm telling you that's wrong. Hmm. So even in, in you're talking to me and I, li- I think I've done a pretty decent job of unpacking my religious faith. As you're saying, it's sacred, it's beautiful. I'm like, or is it bullshit? You know what I mean? Because yeah. I still have those things firing going, it's all or nothing. Right. You know what I mean? And right. Rob, right. who is really doing something beautiful yes. in seeing that sacred in you and seeing that loveliness in you, that's, that's the gift. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take those things and put so them in a bucket. I, that's sort of my – all the latent God circuits that it's that dark for so long. Yeah. A little bit of current. And for a moment, my entire reality went – and then it stopped. Who tells stories that have moments like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of the mashup of sacred and science. Yeah. People uncomfortable. But, I, but you just painted such a beautiful – no, no, no. I love – that you know that moment and that and it lit up yeah. and some juice got yeah. in there again. All these circuits went, oh, whoa, this was good. Yeah, yeah, this used to be good. Yeah. But then, like, it didn't last. And so we did the rest of the conference and we go downstairs for the last thing. And, like, there's, like, bread and wine on the table, which is how we ended youth camp as Baptists, right? Yeah, Not sure. with wine, but with little wafers and grape juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is the cheesiest way to end, like, a high-end, like, Christian mini-TED that yeah. I can think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Rob says, so a lot of you might not know what to pray. He starts talking about physics to introduce the Eucharist. So that's sort of, huh? 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 Wait, did, you liked it or you didn't like I it? I did. Oh. Because he did a pretty good job of physics for a pastor, mm-hmm. right? So, like, a really good job of physics. And so, like, a physics intro to the Eucharist. And then he says, so if you don't know what to pray, just pray, how can I be broken and poured out for the betterment of others? And I'm like, that's humanism. Mm-hmm. How can I make things better for the species? I'm in. That's a great thought. Right. So I bowed my head and I prayed, which I hadn't done in a while. And nothing happened. So then everyone's walking up, having their moment with Rob. And then I walk up. And he holds his bread out and says, Mike, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And I have this, like, mental tension. Like, I can't take that bread. I don't believe that. There's no, there was no dude Jesus. That's there's no proof there was a real Jesus. There is proof that he was a guy. But there is not great secular academic proof that he was resurrected from the dead. Yeah. These are two different categories of belief. I thought all we had was the Bible and Josephus. Um, yeah, but so well, the Bible and Josephus is like until relatively recently more evidence than we had for like Alexander and the Great. And Alexander the Great and nobody's going, well, he wasn't real. Oh, really? Right? Like So there's sort of like – we haven't had a dry take on history until pretty recently. Mm. Historians used to amp things up a lot more because the world was understood to be more mystical. That's mm. normal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. So, you know what I mean? I'm going to push you to those tangents because they're great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm like, I can't take this. And I have this little miniature eternity where it's like, I can't do this. And then I get a feeling that I used to have all the time that someone is with me. And I get a perception of a voice that is not in my consciousness. And it says, I was here when you were eight, and I'm here now. You see, because I was a nerdy kid, recess, run to the trees, don't get beat up, hide. And I hung out with Jesus for 25 minutes. That's who I talked to. 
sounds insane. It sounds super insane. But I get it. But if you've ever been force-fed dog feces from a Ziploc bag, talking to Jesus is a better experience, you I were? assure you. Yeah. Oh, God. I was a super nerdy kid. Oh, so, that, that's how you were bullied. Yeah. I was awfully bullied. I didn't have a friend from kindergarten to about seventh grade. We'll get to that. Let's stay on the so, ground. We'll so, talk about your, that's terrible. It was not awesome. So... And then Jesus speaks to me, and I don't know what that means, but it is certainly a powerful experience. And so I take the bread from Rob, and I accept the idea that the body of Christ was broken for me, and he holds up the cup, the blood of Christ poured out for you, and I dipped it, and I bolted because I was weeping. Mm. And uh, When was this? May 2012. Yeah. So I only know that because Rob told me recently. I'm not good with time. Me neither. I, um, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know. That's happening now. Happened. Will happen. That's as granular as I get. There so, you go. Um, yeah, it's so all this stuff stored so up. You run out weeping. Yeah, you get to the safety. I, I go to crying. my hotel room. A hotel even better for crying. But it's Pacific Edge Hotel. It's a surf hotel. There's a bed and a place for a surfboard. There's nothing. So yeah. I, w- I have this need to write. I don't know why. So I grab my journal, and uh, I go find a table outside where the event was held, and I write this letter to God that I came and read because I'm crying so much. Hmm. And then this uh, pastor friend of mine, Sarah, comes out. At the time, I didn't know who she was, but I do now. And she just like gave me a hug for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then um, this another... another hmm? Nose ring? Yeah, that's Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then another um, guy walks out and he says, welcome back. And I don't really know what I feel about that. Am I back? What does it mean? Back? What do all these things mean? What just happened to me? Because the, the prefrontal cortex in me is trying to figure out what just happened, yeah. even as the experience So is these beautiful. people saw you break down. Yes. For, uh, you know, and what they I mean. saw was the spirit of God returning to my life. Mm. But I didn't believe in God. So how can a God I don't believe in return to my life? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was in a pretty significant state of cognitive Especially dissonance. if you're not willing it. Right. Like singing some song, avatar yes. style, hands in the air. Yes. Yeah. It just happens. What? Involuntary. In, in, against my will. Non-consensual. God returns. Yeah. God back in you. So I go out for drinks with these pastors, mm-hmm. and it, that was actually a lot of fun because they were really curious about science. And so I spent several hours explaining, like, how do we know how old the universe is? And I get to talk about the WMAP space mission to pastors for hours. Yeah, and we, like, it, a crowd builds of, like, Laguna locals listening to this half-drunk weeping man. <laughs> <laughs> elucidate about science with an audience of pastors. Like it's a pretty trippy. Yeah. People are like what, what's going on here? Yeah. So everybody finally decides they're going to go to bed and there's something not resolved in me. Mm. So I walk out on the beach, which is dark, like dark, like dark. Mm. And I look out at the ocean and I can't see it, but there's this massive force, maybe one of the greatest on earth that I can't see. And I says, this is a metaphor for God goes. It's pretty good right now. The the ocean. The ocean. A yeah. dark ocean I can't see. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's there. Something is there, and I can't see it. Okay. So I just start praying into the ocean, and I say, God, I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your relationship to the Bible. I don't understand that if you are real and you can intervene, why you would respond to my mom's prayer and have Rob Bell introduce me to Jesus while some other mother is praying for her daughter who's being raped for a warlord and getting nothing. Mm. That does not make sense and is disgusting. Mm. So I can't say that I'm just going to turn around and be a Christian like I was and just take everything the Bible says and take for granted your character. But I do know it is amazing to feel you in my life again and to be talking to you right now. So how about we make a deal? Let's just keep talking. 
I'll keep asking questions. You can answer or not. It's but like a divorce. Let's agree yeah. to not stop talking again. And I understand very little, but I understand that I met Jesus tonight. And when I said the word Jesus, I was standing up on the beach at the Pacific. I can show you sometime if you're in Laguna. Mm. Pretty high up. And the Pacific rushes forward and soaks me up to above my ankles. The last thing Rob said before the communion was Christ's final act of service was to wash the feet of his followers. And in that moment, I had a mystical experience. And I, it was like reality is a veil, and it got stretched really thin, and I could see the truth on the other side of it, the eternal truth. I felt connected to all of their life and the universality of everything. Um, and it was a beautiful, timeless moment of unimaginable intensity as I felt Jesus, whoever that is, wash my feet. With the water. With the water, with the ocean. And yeah. then literally it took all the sand that was on my shoes off because I wasn't out there barefoot. And um, <laughs> Yeah. I, and the next morning I was having breakfast and I looked down and there is this half circle of seaweed way above the tide line exactly where I was standing. I took a picture with my cell phone because hmm. I'm a skeptic. I'm going to doubt my own recollection. The idea that the water... Shot. Is the feeling that the water went further than it was going? Yeah. Now, hold on. Now, right now, all your atheist listeners are going, bah! Bah! <laughs> it is inevitable statistically that some unlikely events will occur given the number of events that occur. Sure. Someone always wins the lottery, even though it's very unlikely that one person will win the lottery. Multiverse? So, Well, not even multiverse. In this one universe, so many things happen, unlikely things happen. How likely is I ran into this one person? Not very likely. Yeah. But among all the people you know, how likely is it that you'd run into one of them? Pretty likely. Mm -hmm. So we can look at these events and ascribe meaning that's not there. Human brains are amazing pattern recognition machines. Mm -hmm. That's useful. It also gives false positives. So I will freely admit that my whole mystical experience could be nothing but a quirk of Water. Human neurology. Yeah. Uh, that there was just this unlikely but does happen wave action. And I happen to be sitting there and I happen to say the word Jesus. And that's all coincidence. That mm -hmm. It's totally plausible. That does not change the fact that that was the most beautiful moment of my life. Mm. How long did that last? I'm sorry to have such... It's impossible to say. Because you were One outside. of the hallmarks of mystical experiences. No time. They have been studied is you lose the perception of did you see, time. I, I bet you did. You saw that TED Talk about the woman that had the stroke that shut down her right brain? No. She had a brain with her, too. Yeah. So she had a left... I believe it's the left brain that's in charge of that all-one feeling that you experienced as well. It's an interplay of the two. Yeah. I thought, well, she had it then activated by the shutdown of one of the sides. Right. So again, the brain, the whole brain's responsible for everything to some degree. Mm. Different parts of the brain coordinate. Okay. So she... That, that oneness... And yes, you, and you felt it. So, yes. was it like euphoria? Was it bliss? Was it? it? So you can brain scan someone as a mystical experience. Yeah, give them mushrooms, and you can. Well, no, that some people know how to focus their concentration through meditation in a way that they can invoke a mystical experience or take mushrooms. Nuns, Buddhists. <laughs> I just think you really want to take mushrooms. Let's do it. Uh, all right, let's make a bongo drums. Let's do this. Uh, so no, I, I've just I, I'm joking, and I've heard studies where they uh, yeah, you can also up. assign little level psychogenics, which is what happens to people who have a genetic predisposition for God anyway. Their brain that's right basically makes little somebody all the way some all the time. exactly somebody praising God in a church 
can have a similar experience yes. to someone. But when you brain scan them, yeah. it happens in particular regions of the brain. Mm. The language center is not one of them. So when you ask people to recall and describe a mystical experience, Great. when you recall memories, you change them, you modify them. As you put into words what happened, you diminish the original experience. Fucking A. It's not the most neurologically honest religious people are mystics. I had an experience I cannot describe. I love it. That's the most neurologically valid. I'm going to throw this here away because the only way that I can relate to that beautiful story that I'm so grateful for is that I was paddleboarding with mm-hmm. Rob. Yep. And we saw a whale. Yes. You couldn't ask me anything about that whale. Right. I wouldn't be able – now, that's not a mystical experience. I don't think any 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 listeners would say Pete didn't see a whale. Right. I was sitting on my paddleboard, probably not that far from where you had your feet not washed. Not at all. And a whale came up very, 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 very close to me. And it was beautiful. And it was amazing. People yeah. are crying. Rob is way the fuck away trying to get a GoPro guy <laughs> to film it. <laughs> he was going nuts. I was lazy and sat still, and the whale came right up to me. It was not up to me, but, you know, it was in front of me, thankfully. Couldn't tell you the color. Couldn't tell you how big it was. Couldn't tell you how many times it splashed up and down. It was gone. Yes. And that's one of the things I resent about filming everything. Yes. People taking pictures of everything. I was at a concert last night, actually with Rob, and uh, people were taking pictures and stuff, and I was like, we need to – it's not just another guy saying, put down your phone. I'm saying – some things are better captured better than your phone, and they're and they're just for you. Yes, you also you might forget them, but it's it's okay. It's stored somewhere in there, imprinted on you somewhere. Yes, that whale has changed who you are, and it changed who I am. Yes. I saw a whale. You want to talk about the universe? All I need to see was a whale to to realize. I and saw so God it was. was back. Yeah, there you go, and you got God back. God was back like never before. I drove around L.A. the next day, had a bunch of meetings, and God and I just talked, and I laughed, and it was beautiful. And we have kept talking since. Now, just that makes sense to me. That's fine for me. Are we hearing God? That's what people, oh, people, I want to know that. It's like, are you hearing voices? No. No. But I have moments in my life where I feel direction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like <clears throat> maybe this person of all the people who are trying to talk to me needs to talk to me the most. Mm-hmm. And that gets validated. Now, that's very likely I'm a social animal that evolved to read cues that are nonverbal. And neurologically, we devote a lot more of our neural energies to unconscious learning and modeling than we do conscious. The conscious brain has delivered just enough information to function. I don't care. I, the, the pragmatic fact is that this particular way of thinking about reality is beautiful and useful. Mm. Um. So I will freely admit to anyone, yeah, God could be nothing more than physics and neurology. Ooh. Right. You just really destroyed me. No, physics and neurology are beautiful. Right. But God may be more. We don't know. Well, I tie everything to sex. People who listen to this show know. <laughs> I tie comedy to sex all the time. Yeah. People, people yeah, try Because well, and... people are weird about sex, and comedy is the exploration of taboo. There you go. Certainly one of the things it does. Mm-hmm. But it, it was an interesting thing where uh, these guys were writing a book, and I actually think they're wonderful guys and, and very intelligent guys. They were trying to explain what comedy is and break yeah. it down, exactly yeah. what's happening. And the only thing that I could say in, in the defense of, of the guy that kind of was like, I don't think you'll be able to explain it. it. It is a little bit transrational, even though we can say, like, it's inappropriate for me to say fucking A, especially to Rob when he's on my TV show because right. he's a pastor. Right. Okay, I've betrayed. That's a taboo. It's a, it's a yeah. betrayal. It's unexpected. And we laugh. But then sex is just a penis and a vagina. 
You know what I mean? But it's also like you can measure that and you can tell Mm -hmm. me what my skin is doing and you can tell me that our heartbeats are syncing up and you can tell me that my pupils are dilating. Mm -hmm. But there's something bigger than the sum of the parts that we call making love. You know what I mean? So your mystical experience, comedic experience, artistic experience, musical experience, we all know, as you saw on the beach, something is behind the veil and we get glimpses of it and art and science, all of these things are in the service of addressing that hum and that ache that we all have. And serve different needs. What do you mean? Science is the best means humans have for uncovering facts about reality, period. Yes. Like pray someone to the moon or use Drake's rocket equation, and Drake's rocket equation wins. wins. Every time. Every time. Yeah. If someone has a tumor... Pray over it or use chemotherapy and radiation. And if you do studies, chemotherapy and radiation win, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then what – if I look at a painting by Van Gogh, I will not learn any facts about the universe. But I will learn something about the beauty and tragedy of existence. Mm -hmm. I will learn about the experience of being alive. Mm -hmm. So I believe very strongly that religious faith belongs in the bucket with the humanities. It is a way we contextualize what it means to be a species who can wonder what happens when I am not aware anymore. Yeah. And and in there we find beautiful meaning that is subjective, but that doesn't minimize it. All the interesting things in life are subjective. Sex is there's one objective thing happening, but who cares? Like, starfish can do that. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that we can have this beautiful, profound connection with another human being as all we do is enable evolution to do its thing, mm-hmm. as we just let genes survive, it doesn't matter. It's beautiful and transcendent. Mm-hmm. When someone is funny and I get a belly laugh for three hours, I don't care that laughter is a pre-verbal way to relieve stress. All I know is I experienced something amazing. Mm. When my daughter grabs my hand across a parking lot, I don't care about biochemistry and neurology and psychology and family dynamics. I care that a six-year-old girl loves me and I love her too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I it's do. that's we have this tendency in modernism and, and, and post-enlightenment to sort of like wet, wag our nose, wag our finger at subjectivity. Um even as we want to eat ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? A very subjective experience. Right. Like, yeah. And it's objectively terrible for you. Yeah, so, sure. But it doesn't matter because that stuff hits, hits your palate and you're like, oh, I'm happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you need it. So let's just let's, – let's let religion be the thing where we – those of us who are interested, by the way, not everyone has to be religious, but those of us who find meaning in it, find meaning in it, find a shared experience, find community – yeah. Form beliefs, but understand that those are different from scientific beliefs, and that's okay. Yeah. There it's you just, go. It's just fine. Well, is it another version of a Van Gogh painting where you're like – because the, the something that I've learned, and we just said transrational and myth and all that sort of stuff. For me, that was very liberating to go like historical Jesus, God Jesus, myth Jesus, Bible Jesus, different Jesus, different stories, different Buddhas, different different – all these different guys um, – does it matter that it's real if when I'm looking at it, uh, it's stirring and it's speaking to something? It's speaking to that hum inside of us in the way that the painting does. What I'm saying is, can the Bible story... There is nothing that changes my life as much as believing Jesus was a real guy who died. Really? Nothing. My whole <laughs> life changes when I accept that assumption. 
You know, like I literally Not was on a tour bus yeah. with a band as we went around the country, like trying to <clears throat> show people new ways of science-based worship. Um, and that all is born from me going, this Jesus story is powerful to people, myself included. It starts with me. So like I, I get asked all the time by people who are skeptics, like, why Jesus? Okay, I get you. You see Benefits religion. Why Jesus? Why is Jesus the salvation of the world? I don't know that Jesus is the salvation of the world. I know he's the salvation of me. Yeah. And other people may share that experience. They do great. Let's do a church thing. If Jesus is like ridiculous to you, then let Jesus be ridiculous to you. I don't I don't have a problem with that. It's a personal experience. Yeah. But your personal experience goes so deep. Oh, it's profound. Yeah. That you're going, there's a little. But I accept that my experience proves nothing to anyone else. Whereas looking at the WMAP probe does prove the universe is 13.77 billion years old. Those are different means of knowing and experience. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. for finding facts, science is better. Yeah, oh, yeah. For finding meaning, faith is better. <laughs> like what I just did is I pissed off both segments of the listener base at the same time. No, you. what you did is you <laughs> untied a knot in my brain. I literally felt tension because I was like, oh, no. He believes in a physical death and resurrection of Christ, which is fine. So, so do I occasionally, depending on when you ask me. And so did I as I was growing up. But uh, it changed the way I was thinking about you. And then you untied that tension. Yeah. Not, not that you should be overly concerned with the tension. In well, my I have brain. to untie it myself. I'm still a skeptic. <laughs> of course. I remain a skeptic. I'm a skeptical spiritualist. It's a fun yeah. contradiction. It's a fun mess. Yes. It confuses people deeply. Yeah. So. Well, I guess the the question we always go to, it, it, what about uh, death? Uh, is that the end? Let me go back to my uh, original thing with the concussion because I yeah. was so troubled. It was, it was a bit of an existential crisis with how much of my personality is my brain. I do a lot of meditating on the fact that I'm not my brain. Right. I try and observe my brain. I try and liberate myself from the idea that I'm my brain. Okay. Then I hurt my brain. Suddenly I can't even – I couldn't have said what I just said. Yes. Because I'd just be like, well, brain, it, you know – this place has 12 to four condos available. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. Couldn't do it. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, I am yeah. my brain and all these lofty spiritual fun things. Stop. I hit you in the head lightly with a bat. So you're yes. not like dead or, or severely injured. But by the time you heal, you might feel differently. Yeah. Or you cut my skull open and apply electrode and I taste peanut butter. Exactly. Yeah. Or I put in a tumor and you're a pedophile. Right. Yeah. Or a sniper. Or a sniper. Yeah, that's happened. Exactly. That I actually know. happened. Nice I know. people kill people because of a brain tumor. And nice people uh, look at child pornography because yes. of a brain tumor. Yes. And when it's removed, they no longer want to. Yes. This is well known by everybody. The the Texas sniper comes up yes. on the show all the time because then what do we do with morality? And what do we do with your beliefs yes. if I could cut out the part of your brain that believes that? Yeah. So we admit <laughs> there's – we admit all human beliefs must be approached with humility. Yeah. Okay. All of us are applying constructs to reality that do not perfectly describe it. And that's where you get the beautiful chaser of pickle juice. To uh, I love a good Thai spicy vodka shot. And there's the pickle juice. Is you saying, uh, is admitting that like, I, I can't, I'm not here to convert you. I'm not here to tell you that what you what I believe is for you. You even said that you kind of stopped yourself. I don't care if you think Jesus was was physically killed and rose from the dead three days later. Stop examining the Shroud of Turin, right? Because my experience useful. it already happened. It's done. No, well, I'm not saying like I'm all in. Like um, I'm saying that's a bad way to arrive at that conclusion. 
Okay. Like, um, I didn't think you were coming off as I, God said it. I believe yeah, it. That yeah, doesn't, yeah. No, that's no, no, not no, at no, all. No, what, no. I'm what I, what I, what I, it's, it's language is limited because our perception of reality is limited. Yes. So the most, the highest fidelity way, way we have to describe reality is mathematics. And mathematics does a great job of describing everything down to what we call singularities. You get the black holes, you get to where the universe came from, even math breaks down. All the variables in our equations start moving toward infinity, and that's bad. <laughs> so we have to admit that all the knowledge we have is limited. We have to be humble about anything we believe. We can all agree that in describing the reality, we all seem to be observing science as the best job describing it. But even that... We don't know for certain science is the best thing we'll ever have. Mm. We don't know what caused the Big Bang, which is a terrible name. It should be called like the rapidly expanding singularity. But uh, we could get that going. This we is, could. It's a fairly we'll make popular it show. So, <laughs> rapidly. Uh, yeah. rapidly either way, we don't, we don't know what predicated that. We, we probably never will. But we don't even know whether we'll know or not. Right? You know what, oh, so sorry. all of our knowledge, like, um, so you, even you as a concept, that's a construct. Like you're constantly gaining and losing molecules and cells and right. you know what I mean? Like this is all well-known stuff, but like the idea of you is, right. is limiting. Well, you're a fragment of the universe. Old, old DP Chopes, Deepak Chopra would say, which you? Baby you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deacon religious you? 25-year-old you? And those are all me. This but you? But that's just something we made up. Right. <laughs> I can't believe this is a free show. <laughs> I really, it's absurd. Thank you for doing this. This is great. Yeah. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. I mean, I, 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 it's one of my favorite things. Is it really? Oh, yeah. You're doing it. Yes. Getting it wet. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm uh, <laughs> sorry, honey. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a happily married man. And yeah. I, and and and, and for, for in my personal life, sex is this beautiful embodiment of my love for one particular woman. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting that... Uh, you want to talk about prayer or you want to talk about uh, subtle subtle vibrations, subtle frequencies, love being a thing. Yeah. And pe- I, uh, I am talking about making love here. I know that there's sex that's just that's just sex, but then there's actually two people merging. Yes. I've had very, not ocean washing my feet, but I've had very transcendent moments having sex. Yeah. Being like, I don't know which person I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. really, really beautiful you want to talk about a cocktail of neurotransmitters? Yeah. The orgasm's a pretty good one. Fucking A. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's another way to get there. But uh, but uh, to quote the great Al Pacino, uh, well, to qu- quote the great David Mamet, uh, the greatest sex you've had in your life, it's what do you remember about it? And he goes, what I'm saying is it's probably not the orgasm. Orgasms are great. Yeah. But like what I'm... Oh, totally. The moment yeah. that I'm having right now is I'm like, I'm remembering... And I'm like losing when myself. your shame and vulnerability vanish and, guilt. and you forget all about yeah, that stuff. And that's it's just right. the two of you. And it is right. great. Right, right, right. And it's not even the two of you. It's just the you of you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's what, mar- that's what marriage, I think, does a pretty kind of – can do a kind of crappy job at articulating people's vows and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Can slip away from the poetry of like what you really want to say We is, lose so much of it in taboo and, right. and constructs and weirdness. That's We're right. weird about sex. And we're bringing it up to the prefrontal cortex of language, right? Yes. Prefrontal. Did I get yes. that right? We're bringing a transcendent thing into language. Yeah. Language sort I, of in the temporal lobe analysis in the prefrontal. And we're ruining yeah. it by going, when my penis is in you, right. I, I'm not worried about my job. Right now, in some in some terms, language is a necessary construct for sex. 
because there's two dominant understandings of the sex in the world, and they're both flawed. Mm. On the one hand, you have this conservative approach to sex where you have all these weird mores and norms and values, and masturbation is wrong, and premarital sex sends you to hell. And, yeah. and, and you see in this particular frame, the data shows that pornography use is higher, and affairs are higher, and teen pregnancy is higher, and teenagers have more oral and anal sex to preserve vaginal virginity. Yep. And suddenly this way of thinking about sex is very damaging. So on the other hand, you have a progressivist approach to sex Absolutely. whereby safe, consensual sex, anything that two people consent to is okay. That's a fallacy because, well, first of all, there's no such thing as safe sex. When two people have sex, they have to, biologically they must lower the guard of the immune system for conception to happen and therefore a whole class of microbes have specialized in transmitting from human to human via sexual contact and many of the nasty ones don't care about a condom hpv is genital skin to genital skin right and is rampant we have these surging rates of infertility and cancer related to hpv and so this progressivist idea that safe sex is sex our language is inadequate we need to update that model Right. And then consent. What is consent? Is women who produce pornography or star in pornography because they're broke and addicted, is that really consent? Mm. That's pretty destroying to life. So somewhere both the conservative and the progressive narratives about sex are missing what is beautiful and propagating harm against beings. And as a Christian humanist, I have to say these stories need to be updated. Hmm. We need to think about sex differently. We need to be less weird about it. We need to be a lot more honest about it. Um, we need to take a data-based approach to the way we educate our children about sex because we are born a conflicting set of biological impulses that get filtered through socialization. And in some ways, the way we socialize sex in both ways in Western society is harmful. Hmm. A. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I am interested in how... Like a lot of relationships, um, everyone knows in love is better. Everyone knows. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a divorced fella. I've, ha I've been in love many times, I'm fortunate to say, and it's always gotten better as I move forward. And I'm grateful for that experience. Yeah. Whereas when you would have asked 25-year-old Pete, you'd say, marry the first girl who you had sex with, and then that's it forever. Yeah, and that turns out to be cause harm. And it did cause harm. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that harm. That's why when you said your dad left, I was kind of gleeful about that or, or responded bizarrely. I'm not a sociopath. I just know that the way those things can shake things up in that yes. necessary way. So going back to something I said two hours ago. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm interested in that idea. Um, I kind of forgot what I was saying. That sex, it can be, oh, in love is better. Yes. Everybody knows that. That's yes. why when you're uh, lonely, when, you, when you're broken up with and you lose that relationship, uh, it, it hurts so bad because you remember that, that uh, love is better. Love is better, but we still do it when we're not in love. What's that? That's exactly right. And there's a reason. I'll I'll do I'll go to the Golden Buffet. We're we're <laughs> no, it's because we're primates. We're primates and there's a predictor for primate behavior. Yeah. Uh, sexual behavior is testicle size. So if you look at apes, have you read Sex at Dawn? No. Uh, that's where I learned what you're about to say, but keep going. Oh, so it's old news for you. I apologize. No, no, please. So you got you, I need to hear things who haven't read that. No, no, I need to hear things about four or five times. Uh, about so, the times so you've read an the ape, Bible. an ape, the biggest, most powerful primates on the planet. Ooh, big guys. They have tiny balls. 
Yeah. Because they don't need lots of sperm because they have very persistent pair bonding. As long as I'm the silverback, I'm the one who mates. I don't need lots right. of sperm. Or personality. Very Right. No, they're not much <laughs> promiscuity. You look at chimps. Those guys are swinging basketballs even though they're much smaller because yeah. chimp society is very promiscuous, very rape-centered, very violent and brutal. And so you need lots of sperm to give yourself a chance. There's a lot of rape. There's chimp rape. There's chimp rape. Yeah, wow. chimps are chimps are our, our closest relative and a dangerous sign of what we can be. Hmm. Uh, unlike bonobos. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Bonobos. Uh, bonobos. Like, hey, yeah, guys, that's true. Those guys love it. Yes, they and got, the girls and the guys and the girls and the girls and the guys. Well, yeah. that's the big sex of dawn thing. Is is we should be more, we're more like bonobos. But but based on our technicals. Test technical size. Testicle. I went computers. Our <laughs> testicle size, we are halfway between apes and chimps. We mm. are neither inherently monogamous nor inherently promiscuous. And if you consider that human beings have variable genetic predispositions to almost all behaviors and you plot that as a bell curve, some small number of us are pretty monogamous. Some small number of us are uh, pretty promiscuous. And most of us genetically innately are somewhere in the middle. Interesting. That one of the great points of that book makes is that if you look at us the way that zookeepers would look at a zoo, just completely objectively without the ideas of this is my girlfriend, this is my wife, this is my we're we're not uh, monogamous. You know what I mean? Yes. Like most people. Yeah, statistically we're not that monogamous. Right. And today, like women fidelity is like approaching and passing male infidelity and yeah yeah all sorts of more so this is an interesting opportunity i know rob is a very big commitment guy he's yeah a, he's a pro marriage guy and all yeah. that sort of stuff um you know i we've talked about sex openly i never have to be like you know because i'm a single fella mm-hmm. you you know i've had sex recently people I would, have sex it's okay i would never be embarrassed to tell that to you or to tell that to him yeah but it's interesting that's kind of what i'm saying with in love is better i know that there is an ideal I don't know if it's right for everybody. Hey, I'm, you're rubbing off on me. I don't think it's right for everybody. I do sometimes feel that longing, the way that you came back to God, sometimes being like, you know, maybe it would be the idea of committing to somebody and, and yes. family things. Maybe is that thing. The data tells us the more ocean fidelity has to wash is better. My dick, though. <laughs> <laughs> the data tells us what? I'm so sorry. The, no, the data tells us that a, a tendency towards fidelity is healthy. Interesting. But is that another good disc to put in the 2GS? I think so, right? Because like surging rates of cervical and throat cancers and infertility, not a great thing. Yeah. Right? HPV in the throat is so weird. Yeah. Deal with it. You want to talk about sex (laughs) more openly? I don't think it's that weird. I know because we're using it in that way. Yeah, it's fun, right? So... Yeah. I'm supposed to be the dirty one. <laughs> That's my whole thing. That's what I'm saying. This idea that sex is dirty is yeah. a dangerous belief. I agree with that. It's a dangerous, harmful belief because what sex actually is, is beautiful and powerful. And like anything powerful, it can build things up or it can destroy them quickly. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's dirty. It means we had this innate sense that some things were wrong. We weren't sure what and why. And so we codified things religiously as good or bad without an understanding. And it's time to update those understandings. Well, that goes back to one of the things that Rob and I talked about the first time we met, which was on this podcast, is I was like, I don't know how something as beautiful and and spiritual and moving as sex got turned into don't do it because that's that's a bad thing to do. And it's a good thing to do. Well, because we don't know germ theory. (laughs) <laughs> and when you don't really understand the mechanics of pregnancy, you have to get weird about sex. The same way you have to get weird about how food's prepared and what you eat. Yeah. Because you have to take a, like, really cautious position 
from hmm. in your ignorance to be successful. So if you don't understand germ theory, not eating hooved animals and having weird Boy, regulations yeah. about sex yeah. all make healthier people. <laughs> so that was a great idea at the time. Let's yeah. let's not say these are stupid ideas. They were revolutionary. They were big advances over pre-agrarian society. Not, not eating shrimp or shellfish. Or yeah. Those are bottom these dwelling. Were, these were good plans when you don't understand these things. You don't understand that a certain temperature is required to destroy bacteria because you don't know what bacteria are. Right. Right? So great idea. But now we know what bacteria are. Now we know what HPV is. Yeah. So let's stop using old, weird understandings. Let's honor them. Yeah. Let's admit they had some things right, but ultimately understand there are better approaches. I like it. I like it a lot. So you're still with your wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you got through all that. We did. And Where is she? Is she grooving? Is she surfing on the same wave? Yeah. So we we go to like a wonderful hippie Methodist church now and... um, and they are much more open to where you're at in your spiritual journey. Yeah. Like they're unapologetically Jesus people. They're bodily resurrection folks. But like if you believe none of this and just want to hang out with people and eat supper, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, so we're we're probably – no, we're not probably – our marriage is in a better place than it's ever been. And it started out great. Oh, uh, uh, Look at this guy. So, yeah. See this guy? <laughs> well, look, we're in a very hot room, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up because with a topic that I don't want you to feel rushed on. Let's talk about space. Let's talk about quantum physics. Yeah, let's talk about string theory. Okay, well, let's talk about whatever you want because here's the thing that nobody's talking about, to my taste. Yeah, what is this? <laughs> do you understand? I do. There's some people that have a curiosity. Yes, and then there's some people that don't. Yes. I'm in the first category, hardcore. One of the reasons I, I'm predisposed to believing in things is because I'm soaked in this minestrone right now, and yeah. I can't stop looking at my own hands. I can make myself trip out pretty easily. Yes. You want to talk about meditating? Give me 20 minutes, and I'll, I'll give psilocybin a run for its money. Nice. And I love that. Yeah. But I love hearing other people talk about it. So please tell me. Whatever that question does for you, what 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 what's going on here? You lose God, get him you out lose of here. meaning. Yep. And uh, <laughs> astrophysics is a fantastic methadone because what we understand neurologically that triggers religious That's experience. So funny! It took, <laughs> that took me a second. It's a great methadone. It's a great methadone for religious people. Yeah, because you're the doing... thing that triggers transcendence, the thing that makes your parietal lobe, your understanding of space. Um, and physical reality get dark the way it does when you have religious experiences and you pray is tra- is contemplating epic ideas, great ideas, bigger and bigger ideas. Well, it doesn't get much bigger than the scope of the universe. Mm-hmm. So when I would like consider the age and immense size of the visible universe, which we suspect is just a fraction of our spatially infinite universe – which means it's flat, not open or closed. Spatially infinite. Spatially infinite. We believe the universe never in all directions. Yeah, yeah, but we can Does only it? see yep. thirteen point seven seven billion light years away because that's only how long that light's been around. Yeah. So we're, after we're that, in this bubble. It would just be blackness. No, it's light there too. That's but that's because of cosmic inflation. For a while, for the first bit of the universe's expansion, it expanded much faster than light speed. Okay. That's inflation. We just got really great evidence of that in the form of gravity waves. We just found that to be true a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's great. That's the most conclusive proof of the Big Bang we've ever had. I just got an Apple TV. <laughs> They're good, too. Yeah. yeah. You can watch Netflix. You can. Or watch iTunes. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah I love yeah. AirPlay. <laughs> I, can, I can bring up – I can make people watch, like, um, 
Carl Sagan videos on yeah, my TV at, on demand with Apple TV. I love it. It's yeah. re- it truly is great. Of course, I was just joking. You, we just got gravity waves. We just got gravity waves. Helping us understand the Big Bang even It better. is something that emanated from the time before the universe was transparent to light. And we're still we're picking up r- waves of that. Yeah, they're out there. Now, they're, they're hard to see yep. because the wavelength of these gravity waves, because it was such immense energy and so much power that the, the amplitude of these waves and the frequency is similar to the distance of the entire observable universe. Okay. So <laughs> they're pretty hard to find for that reason. Um, yeah, but it means like anything. When we see a star from Andromeda and we get a photon, yeah. we're looking 2.5 million years in the past, yep. right? Because we have an emission from a event that happened. Further that we go. So when we, when we use a satellite like WMAP, um, or or Planck to scan the sky 13.7 billion light years away, we take a picture of the universe when it was first translucent to visible light, mm. when it had cooled enough to not annihilate light anymore. So uh, when you get a gravity wave, you're getting an emission, you're getting a signal from the first trillionth of a second after the singularity started to expand. Mm. You're getting a direct signal that so now we're getting a better idea of what the world looks uh, like. We can it, actually sort of measure that action, and it completely lines up with their theoretical predictions. It's marvelous. That's what makes science science. Not only do you have to describe current reality, you must also make a useful, testable prediction to see if the theory holds up and or if not, which is where di- string theory falls yeah. on its face. It hasn't made predictions that have been proven true. Well, string theory's got a lot of faith to it, doesn't it? But it does. I was going to say that's what's so exciting. If gravity waves had proven science wrong, science would say we were wrong. Science would say we're wrong. As opposed yeah, that's to a, that's a That's a feature, not yeah. a bug. Yeah, that's yeah. a feature, yeah, not that's a part, bug. Like people, religious people often point to science and go, Bleh. Yeah, it's always changing. It's yeah. supposed to. Right. It's human understanding is limited, and we're trying to learn more. Right. Science has asymptotic certainty. But as you said, black and white is so much better. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. Yeah. That's why racism is so popular. Yeah. Because people like going, we have you're that, and I'm this, and In-group bias yeah. is, is part of us. And depending on how infants are socialized, they are inherently racist or not. Interesting. If you sow infants, people of multiple, what infants do is they develop, their first job is to figure out who's my tribe and who's not. So the more you expose babies to different things, you're making a profound difference how they grow. So when society is racially segregated, even voluntarily, we're generating new races. So the best thing you can do to make a more peaceful, verdant society is have a great diversity in your friends so that your children see that really early. Mm. And it neurologically annihilates things like racism. Sounds like the uh, kingdom of God thing in Rob's book. It does. Yeah. Yeah. They, those guys nailed a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's remarkable. Yeah, like the you know the the Big Bang. One of the big the big ideas is that uh, the singularity started expanding because of quantum fluctuations, the energy of nothing. Right? Mm. Lawrence Krauss, who's an atheist but brilliant, uh, much smarter than me, uh, he sort of posits one of his ideas is is that the universe was created from nothing. And then you have like these sheep herders in the desert thirty five hundred years ago saying ex nihilo, the universe came from nothing. I know that. Is that like really interesting? Yeah. It may it could be a coincidence, but it's still interesting. It's an interesting coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Out of nothing. Yeah. So he's saying people love saying like uh well we talk about how things are filled with empty space. Everything everything an atom is ninety six percent empty space and everything is made of atoms. Yes. And and although that's a construct. Hit it. Well so why so, am I talking? I don't so know. quantum physics quantum physics like what does empty space even mean? Well, that's that's what the thing. a solid even mean. Yeah. So you have fundamental <coughs> particles that we believe are fundamental because we can't figure any way to, va- to make them divide further. 
So protons are a compound boson instead of a fundamental boson because they're made up of other particles. You call me a boson? <laughs> you boson. <laughs> Right, and they have a giant boson that's a Higgs boson. That was a big deal recently. Higgs um, boson, why do I know that? Which is a fundamental, because it's a manifestation of the Higgs field. And when subatomic particles interact with the Higgs field, they get mass. They get, they instead of moving light speed, move fractions of light speed. And in doing so, gain mass and become solid. Yeah. But solid, they're not solid. Yeah. They're, they're wave particles. They're manifestations of interactions of fields. Yeah. So it, it, you could also make the argument that it's 100% empty space. <laughs> And that's what I mean. Like, is that how David? When people are like dualism, dualism is there an immaterial realm? We are an immaterial realm. We're already spirit. Yeah, we fit the bill of spirit more than anything people used to believe about spirit right now. So, there's dualism. Even though we're neurologically prone toward it, it's not interesting because what we know about reality is already mystical and beyond our understanding. (laughs) Your second book. I, you may or had already have books. Isn't no it? books yet. We're already spirits. <laughs> Holy shit. That's why Jesus, the bestseller. And then we're already spirit, the follow-up. Oh, and you should, when you do the audio recording of the book, just have me being, oh, wow. <laughs> and so interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm just going to throw weird science things at Let's you. Let's do it. Just thoughts that I'm having right now. Totally. Something that pleases me is the idea of uh, where things come from is the idea that the universe in its mm-hmm. nothingness wanted something to generate energy for itself. So it, everything kind of came in to feed yeah. this never ending cycle. of. So the universe doesn't have energy, which is weird. What do you mean? The, like the universe is zero, zero sum game. It's net energy is zero. I, it has no energy. It has energy as a subset of its zeroness. That's what I mean. Like, if you say this stuff, language doesn't work. It's like you on the beach. Yeah. Like, and that's just, that's just good oh, scientific fact. Alcohol, you know what I mean? Like, uh, somebody is, is out there as an actual physicist is going, yeah. That's, he flipped the wording a little bit, but that's close. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and so, 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 and this is where I get to God. Like, we experience God. But ultimately, why I'm a mystic. If we think about singularity, if we think about words like want or will or being, well, we understand time today is probably an expression of a certain type of quantum phenomenon. And that quantum phenomenon was probably not present in the singularity. So already words like before don't mean anything in mm. singularity. Causality, will, agency, consciousness, being. None of these words describe that experience. So anything that could exist in that singularity is the singularity or could cause it is already out of our ball game. So as soon as we start describing words like want or desire, we're we're putting this thing in boxes compared to what we already know about. Do mm. you know what I mean? Dogs trying to understand the internet. Yeah, but even even um no, actually I can't get better than that. That's a great that's a great example. But it, like but like an infinite internet that is right ethereal. I'll tell you one of my favorite things that I've heard recently. It was Eckhart Tolle talks about um he has his critique of believers and non-believers in God, and he doesn't use the word God. What brought him to mind is you were saying being, he likes saying being, is that people who say they, I don't believe in God, or I do believe in God, say it with such assurance, like they have any idea what they're talking about. The Buddha said, what does the word believe have to do with nirvana? Like, <laughs> it cannot be said to exist or not exist. Both of those are two limited states. Yeah. And like some people will go, sophistry, not boring. Mental masturbation, what are you guys talking about? 
But like, if you kind of study <laughs> physics, our language doesn't work for this stuff. Our intuition is wrong. Mm. So I just start with the humility of my best is like crayons. Mm. You know what I mean? Like our smartest people are just like clever apes on a tiny rock amid mm. infinite blackness. You know what I mean? So let's let's all <laughs> knock ourselves down a notch like we're the people that have stuff figured out. And it's impressive that we can like with the collective might of all of our beings lob little bits of metal at our closest celestial neighbors. Mm. That is impressive, but it's also like nothing. Our best work is Voyager just now leaving our solar system. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, all these things are interesting and they're fun, but you just have to start with singularity. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It all came from that. Yeah, and so that's God. And some people, we can't call that God. Wait, an infinite mystery that caused everything is not God? Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on. That's way more interesting than any of the stories we have. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, okay, now, because that would have been a great place to end. Here's the bonus track. Yeah. How, what do we do with this whole idea? Here we are with our consciousness, human consciousness, which, for better or worse, we value more than anyone else's. Yes. More than a horse, more than yes. a bug, more than uh, an amoeba. Yes. Uh, so here we are with our human consciousness, having conversations like this, writing books like the Bible, writing uh, the Latter-day Saints, writing their modern-day prophecies, all these different things to explore different means of this idea of God. And we, uh, then jerks like me, come along and I say, our collective experience is God. We are participating in creating God and we are God and all this sort of stuff. Then the sun explodes and we're all gone. Yeah. When we're left with a, a humanless solar system. Yeah. What then? What's that all about? Well, first of all, if we're clever, <laughs> our descendants may get off this rock and escape that. Hopefully. It's pop- well, hopefully, but like, you know, the ones that, probably- but if we do annihilate, yeah. Um, were our experiences meaningless? We still had them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all the stuff that makes us will still be around. All of my all of my protons will still be here. You'll be in a star somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm already the guts of some stars that died a long time ago. Yeah, we're stardust. So like but. so like who cares? Like it's beautiful and wonderful and if we all end up not here anymore, there's probably life somewhere else anyway. Okay, here's a weird one. <clears throat> Speaking of something getting us off this rock and onto another one just in time. Forgive me. We're evolving. And then some people... We're domesticated, but evolving. Okay. We domesticated ourselves, arguably, but go ahead. There you go. You mean we've stopped evolving? No, we, we're evolving more like cows and dogs. Yes. No, I mean <laughs> I mean really back to Cro-Magnon sort of thing. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, we were evolving. Then, uh, you know, History Channel, Ancient Alien stuff. Then suddenly we know agriculture and we're building pyramids and we have governments and all this sort of yeah. stuff likelihood that some sort of alien race came and manipulated our DNA. Insufficient data for meaningful answer. Really? The nerds just went crazy. Why? Because that's a quote from Asimov. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Insufficient probably, data for yeah, meaningful that's the, answer. You know, I can't. I, I'd be spitballing. I heard we had one more chromosome than chimpanzees. <laughs> yeah, no? I mean... Yeah, there's all kind, of, but then there's some invertebrates that have more chromosomes than we do. What's an invertebrate? <laughs> <laughs> we came full circle, like the universe, which is yeah. flat. Yes, 
Man, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. We could get out on that laugh. I just wanted to see if you thought maybe aliens came, and I love your answer. I think it's going to go down in history of the show. It's one of the greatest <laughs> answers we've ever had, and one of the greatest conversations I've ever had. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, yeah sure. I, I, I just want to take one moment to say I just ran into you, Rob's house. Yeah. It's always just fucking musicians and uh, whatever it is we call you. <laughs> and he makes tacos. Yes. And then I say, I think we're going to have a good conversation. Let's do it on the air. And that's what the show is all about. And I am, I hate the word blessed. I'm grateful. So thank you. Awesome. Would you say keep it crispy? <laughs> that's how it ends. Rob said it. I love it. You say it. Go ahead. Keep it crispy. <laughs> nice. Now leaving Nerdist.com.